Welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello, Andrea. And Steimer. And Miss Christine Steimer. Hello, everyone. I think we're all, we have to do a sing-song thing. <laughs> okay, I'm down. It's be our new thing. Mm-hmm. I was going to pick it up, but then I got cold feet. I'm sorry. Oh, come on. <laughs> Roll no, no, with see, it. See, now it's awkward. Now you have to do a little sing-song thing. And now all the eyes are on you. Hello, everyone. Welcome <laughs> to <laughs> episode 96. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's episode it. 96. <gasps> you got to do the yes and, girl. Just lean into it. Okay. I'm sorry. I was, like, <laughs> trying really hard to focus on all the things I have to say at the top of the show because I realized after listening back to a couple of episodes recently that sometimes I tend to ramble at the top of the show. And for that, I apologize here, ladies and gentlemen. But we're glad that you're here listening to What's Good Games, whether it's your first episode or your 96th episode with us here at the show. Wow. We're glad that you chose to spend some time with us. So we do have a few announcements before we get into the show. There is quite a bit of news this week, which is very exciting as always. We have three wonderful sponsors, which we're going to tell you about in just a little bit. We've got HoneyBook, Robinhood, and Floor. Thank you so much to sponsoring the show. We will, as I mentioned, give you more details about them. But we've got... So many announcements. Brittany, take it away. Oh, man. Good thing I'm looking at the document right now because I cannot remember all of these. (laughs) So Saturday, March 16th is our Patreon Town Hall at 2 p.m. Pacific. We're going to be talking to you, ladies and gentlemen, whether you're a patron or not, about the changes coming to our platform. So YouTube.com slash What's Good Games and Twitch.tv slash What's Good Games. You can come in and check out all of the information. If you can't make it, we'll have a post up shortly after the stream going into all of the details and then and to be clear that is a public stream yes for everybody yes it is yeah sunday march 17th it's green beer day that's in the document aka st <laughs> patty's and our happy hour q a and after hour stream at 12 p.m and 2 p.m pacific so if you are a patron at any level you can join us for our happy hour q a live stream you submit questions to us we answer them. It turns into a shit show. But the real shit show is the after hour stream, which is taking place at 2 p.m. Pacific, where you, our, our, our lovely patrons, get to recommend games that we play. And we play them, and we're usually pretty tipsy by this point. And a lot of yelling happens, and it's a good time. And usually a few technical problems. But you know what? I've been very good about trying to get all of my ducks in a row before we stream. And I even successfully streamed The Division 2 this week. You oh did. my God. Look at you. That was fun. I know. You did, a good, you did a good thing. Thank you. Although you did drink my maker's mark, I saw. 
I'm still drinking it. Don't be mad. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> and then our PAX East panel is Thursday, March 28th at 6.30 Pacific in the Bobcat Theater. We are calling it What's Good Games Live. We still don't know what we're going to do. We'll probably just ramble. We'll talk about the border. Oh, 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 she has her hand up. She has a plan. Um, breaking news. Breaking news. We have a special guest that's joining us on our PAX East panel. Ooh. Mr. Steve Saylor. That's right. The Uh-oh. one and only blind gamer is going to be joining us. That is awesome. That is a good yeah, guess. It's going to be cool. So I, I haven't gotten a chance to work with him in person. I've just watched his work on Kind of Funny Games Daily. And of course, he's got his own YouTube channel and Twitch channel as well. And we're excited to have him join us on the panel to talk about games that he's played at PAX and what he does over on his channel and how the heck he bla- uh, blames games, plays games while being <laughs> the blind gamer. Um, so it's going to be a really fun show. And we hope that you guys uh, come out and join us. Also, I may have said Pacific time, but it's 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Excuse me. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Borderlands. Oh, let me change it in the dock here. It Borderlands does say PT 30. in the dock. It's not your fault. Okay, thanks. And then our PAX East meet and greet. It is official, ladies and gentlemen, Saturday from 2 to 4 Eastern time. We're going to be at King's. It's just called King's at Seaport, I believe. It's a 10-minute It's minute called walk. King's Dining and Entertainment. There you go. 10-minute walk from the convention center. We have our own private room, the draft room. We have food. We have drinks. We will bribe but you. But do with we both have of those. crowns? We can. We can get those Burger King can, crowns. Oh yeah. We can maybe get some crowns. And to be clear, it's not our own room. We have to share the room. But the room is very large, and listen, we have half of the room. It's going to be our room. I don't care who else is in there. I well, pity. listen. If we're going to be there, we're going to take maybe it over. we'll Let's convert take it some over. people to be what's good games fans. That are that would be fun. That's a really that. nice thing to say, Steimer, because I was going to say I pity the fools who try to share the room oh. with us that day. Oh. But that's, wow, the roles have reversed. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> well, you know, shit happens. It's going to be a good time. True. It's true. Shit happens, indeed. That is. Um, Thanks, Britt. I appreciate all that info. And that is a lot of stuff. And I just want to reiterate that we are very excited that our meet and greet in Boston is going to be an all ages meet and greet. We haven't done one of those yet. And we've heard your feedback and we appreciate it. A lot of times we're really restricted to which venues we can get at times of day. And we had a little bit more flexibility at PAX East this year. So we were able to get an afternoon time slot at a venue that allows people who are under the age of 21 to be in the venue. So um, even if you're not 21 and even even if you don't have a PAX Pass, if you're in the Boston area, we'd love to see you. Come on down. And as I tweeted, there will be snacks. I can't guarantee how many snacks will be left after the first hour. So you better show up early. I'm going to eat all of the snacks. There might be. There are, are an assortment of gourmet pizzas. I will eat all Maybe of them. some other finger yeah. foods that involve other stuff. That will be good. Like mac and cheese bites. Who could say? Fuck. Who could say? Yes. You're going to have to we show know, up to find out. We know Steimer will come for the mac and cheese bites. If That's any the reason. only reason why I'm coming to this. I'm not, <laughs> I, I have no intention of talking to you. I'm just kidding. But I'm just going to eat Steimer, mac and do cheese us a bite. favor, though. No fever this year, okay? Oh, my God. You I'll were deathly you. ill at PAX last year. I mean, that resulted in the epic ear infection <laughs> of 2018. With the peas on your face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Button berries. Where I ate the roll. Uh, I remember. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that sounds really weird, but it's fine. Don't worry about it. (laughs) So that's a deep cuts right there. Mm -hmm. All right. So now that we've got all of the announcements out of the way, it's time to get into the news. And this week, the first segment of the show is brought to you by HoneyBook. If you have a great idea for a business, what's holding you back? If the thought of all that admin work is overwhelming, trust me, 
I get it. <laughs> but HoneyBook is here to help you get your plan off the ground. HoneyBook is an online business management tool that lets you control your client communication, bookings, contracts, invoices, all in one place. If you're a creative freelancer or a small business owner like us, HoneyBook helps you stay organized with custom templates and automation tools. You can even use HoneyBook to consolidate services that you already use, like QuickBooks, Google Suite, and MailChimp. Over 75,000 photographers, designers, event professionals, and other entrepreneurs have saved hundreds to thousands of hours a year. It's your business just better with HoneyBook. And right now, HoneyBook is offering our listeners 50% off your first year with the promo code What's Good. Payments are flexible, and this promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. Sweet. You go you gotta go to honeybook.com and use promo code What's Good for 50% off your first year of services. Get paid faster and work smarter with honeybook.com with promo code What's Good. And I have to say, as somebody who does the administrative work for what's good. It does take a lot of time to search for those templates online and then you have to create them yourself. And HoneyBook has really helped streamline some of the stuff that I do for our business. And I have to give a shout out to their excellent customer service. Within the first day of me signing up, there was somebody emailing me saying, hey, we see your new customer. Can we help you? Here's some tutorials. Maybe we can help you with some of your templates. We're here for you. And I thought that that was really awesome. And it's a level of customer service you don't see with a lot of online services. So honeybook.com promo code was good if you're interested. All right. First up in the news, it's all about Miss Jade Raymond, former Ubisoft and EA studio head. Jade Raymond has joined Google. So she tweeted this, but Polygon did a nice little write-up. So game industry veteran Jade Raymond has joined Google in an undisclosed role. On Tuesday, Raymond announced her move to Google on her Twitter account saying, I'm excited to finally be able to share that I have joined Google as a VP. Raymond's move to Google comes just a week before the tech giant is set to announce a new gaming initiative at the annual Game Developers Conference. And Raymond didn't say if she'd be joining Google's games team, but given her pedigree... That seems highly I mean, likely. She's not joining <laughs> Google to be a janitor. Let's just put it that uh, way. <laughs> I mean, she'd be the flyest janitor around. She's got fashion. A 20-year veteran of the games industry, Raymond previously worked at Ubisoft, where she served as an executive producer and co-creator of the publisher's Assassin's Creed franchise and later general manager of Ubisoft Toronto. Raymond then worked at Electronic Arts, where she oversaw EA's Motive Studio, PopCap Studio, and Star Wars Portfolio. She left EA in October of 2018. She will join other game executives at Google, including Phil Harrison, formerly of PlayStation and Xbox, and Jack Buser, previously the director of PlayStation Now and PlayStation Home. So this is actually probably the most interesting piece of Google news about their gaming division that we've had yet, because the other two guys, uh, Phil and Jack, really administrative managerial executives, people that worked a lot behind the scenes. Jade, though. Jade makes games. And I think this is a really, really interesting turn of events. What do you think, Steimer? I mean, yeah, like I, literally exactly what you just said. Phil and Jack are business dudes and they can broker deals. But Jade typically has worked at studios themselves to help create franchises. So if they're hiring her, I can't imagine they would want her to do similar things that Phil and Jack are doing, right? They're hiring her to broaden their scope of what they can do with games moving forward. Oh, man. Do you think that she's actually making, going to make games, Brittany? Yeah. 
I mean, <laughs> well, no, and that's something I was just going to talk about. So this Google presentation is March 19th at 10 a.m. Pacific. And what what are we going to see from this? We've seen a lot of companies try to come in and do something in the gaming space and fail, or they are somewhat successful. They they disappear into the wind like particles of dust just not long afterwards, right? And so we have Google. And my first impression when I think about this, like, what is Google going to try to do in the gaming space? Is there room for Google? And then you think about how much fucking money Google has. And you're like, okay, yeah, this is actually (laughs) something that could become an actual thing, a a contender. Who knows what they're going to go for? They're obviously taking, you know, quality talent to work on this thing. And they're going there. So clearly either the paycheck is that good or they are, well, probably both. They're believing in what Google is telling them behind the scenes that we don't know about. So I would be curious to know what you ladies think is going to come out of this thing. Well, I don't think uh, anything she's working on, obviously nothing would be discussed. I don't think at, at whatever they reveal at GDC, that's way too soon. Like if you're just hiring her now, that anything she works on will be years in the making. Like it'll, it's going to take a bit to put that bun in the oven. I don't know why I said that, but that's you know, no, that's a, that's a really good point. Do you think though, Steimer, that they could be bringing her on to help guide a project that's already been in the works and that they want her leadership and her vision to help kind of see it across the finish line? Definitely possible. Yeah. I think it's really fascinating to speculate on what's going to happen at this event next week. Obviously, we've talked about it on the show a couple of times already. We've been following this these Google rumors for quite a few months now. So I feel like it's been over a year. And Google has been quietly having conversations for even longer than that. And I still hold by what Britt and I talked about previously, that they're going to put up a, a streaming box, that it'll have some kind of form factor I think it'll be like what Xbox is going to probably present with Xbox Scarlet. I think it'll be something very small and something diskless and something that's geared towards cloud streaming. But when it comes to the differences between what Xbox is doing and what Google is maybe going to present is that Xbox already has an established pipeline for game development, whereas Google would basically have to start from scratch. And I thought that it was really fascinating reading um, Jeffrey Grubb's piece over on VentureBeat this week that came out with him talking about that Google is going to be a moot endeavor unless they make a game studio. He essentially made the point that why do gamers need yet one more destination to play video games where there's already multiple places to play games now? There has to be a better reason or a bigger hook to get Google's box and play games with Google instead. As we're seeing, the Epic Game Store is struggling to convert people from Steam and they're working on really strategic partnerships with key properties but so far nothing's moved the needle and i think it's going to take a couple of years before we really see a competitor to steam kind of like crawl up that ladder but google is probably the most poised to be able to step into that market but like i kind of like raise my hands a little bit and go but like why why is google spending this money and i think it goes back to what you guys were saying that they just have an ungodly amount of money to throw away. <laughs> what could I possibly do with all of this? <laughs> yeah, because you have Project Stream, which is their streaming service that we saw showcase with Odyssey, right? Last Was that last year? Mm-hmm. Was that that long ago? It was, I think yeah. it was, yeah, last Holy fall. balls. Uh, and now you have Project Yeti, right? Which is the console portion of that. And yeah, it's, 
unless it's so cheap and unless they get, you know, the ability to work with a whole bunch of third parties to put their software on. I don't know, man. It's going to be interesting to see what they pull out of their little hat filled with kajillions of dollars. Oh, well, the good news is that the wait is almost over. Um, What did you think about those mock-ups of that controller going around the internet? I posted them in the What's Good Facebook fan page. I mean, obviously, those are like fan, well, not fan mock-ups. They're from like an IT person, but they're essentially uh, designs that are were drafted based off the patent patent filings. And I thought it was really interesting looking at the patent filing going, hmm, why on earth would you patent something that we know is probably not going to be popular or work? <laughs> well, there you go. To have it. I love patents. So I keep them in my pocket. <laughs> well, I guess that's true. If you're a corporation <laughs> like Google, always got to, you know, cross the T's and dot the I's, so to that's speak. True. Patent so this everything. Con- <laughs> this controller supposedly will alert players when a new title is available, when a new invitation has been received, or when there's a new request to chat, which are apparently features of this controller. I would not use any of those, but hey, maybe that's... It's a- probably the Google Assistant built into the controller, right. much like Alexa, right? Oh or Cortana. But can I turn my lights on with it? Hey, Google, hey. while you're playing games, just what I need. Turn on my light. Turn another, off my light. Another thing to talk to me when I'm not trying to have a conversation, just like my Alexa does all the time. But no, I saw I saw you post that in the fan page, Andrea. And like, here's the thing. All controllers are stiff and rigid. But this thing just screams stiff and rigid. So that's what she I said. Need to get it's really pillow. blocky. Yeah, too far away. it's too far away. And mine's on the floor. This is a very sad day for What's Good Games. Um, but I said it, it It looks like the kind of thing I could throw across the room during a zombie apocalypse and behead like six zombies at once and then it would come back to me. It just looks like a weapon, a dangerous weapon, like a thing that will shatter all of the glass in your house. I think I really liked Alana's take. Um, friend of the show, Fine. Alana Pierce. Sorry, Brittany. I love you too. Hold on. I want to read her. I want to read it exactly. I want to do it justice because... It's funny. It's the Google controller is whatever the opposite of porn is. I think my ovaries have formed cobwebs. <laughs> yeah, yeah that take was, really was funny. Good. Yeah. But yeah, obviously it was just a mock-up based off of the, but still, we'll see. Yeah, I hope that that's not what it looks like because that would be no I bueno. imagine it would be so frustrating to try to come up with a new controller because so many iterations of controllers are out there and you can't obviously copy controllers as they are so you have to try to come up with something new and i feel like that'd be really stressful and frustrating because that's why you don't that's why you don't that's why you just don't new controller (laughs) you just you let people use the bluetooth controllers that are already on the marketplace or you license somebody's controller that has already done it better but then they can't talk to you andrea you can't have google home or alexa and your how will i talk to my controller I, I don't know. Google could license something from Nyko, right? And then they just add their tech into it. Oh, God. That's true. But it's Google. They want to make everything. Mm-hmm. That's true. They're like, hey, look, we did it. Hey, look. Remember all the products we made that failed? Come get your esports and your battle royales on our console. <laughs> we don't talk about those failures, Steimer. We just quietly kill them in the backyard. <laughs> oh, oh, old yeller. Oh, um, oh no. <laughs> all right. Well, enough about taking it about behind the barn. Let's uh, move on to the behind. next story. <laughs> I was your mind going where my mind was going. 
<laughs> yes, I as soon as I as soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, this is this is a mistake. Take, Mistakes were made. Taken behind the barn. So good. Okay, oh ladies and gentlemen, gosh. we are doing this fancy thing on What's Good Games where we now rotate news stories. Oh my god. Oh my god. So <clears throat> Brendan Green, aka Player Unknown, is moving to a new development role on PUBG. This comes from Polygon, and I'm going to read a little bit of their story, and then I have his full statement via the Twitter. So Brendan Green, the creator of Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, has announced that he is moving on from his position as the director of development on PUBG. Instead, Green is joining a new division of PUBG Corp called PUBG Special Projects. And now I'm opening up his tweet, and I'm going to read it. Oh, this is really small text. Okay, let's see how this goes. Players, the past five years of my life have been all about Battle Royale. From the early days working on a mod to getting the chance to create my vision for a Battle Royale title, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. It's been an incredible journey and our game has reached heights I never thought possible. Seeing the game grow into what it is today has been a dream come true and I can't thank our fans for the incredible team and the incredible team at PUBG Corporation enough. Today I'm excited to announce that my new day-to-day focus will be heading up a new division of PUBG Corp PUBG Special Projects. He probably does not sound like that. I really well, hope he does. I hope he says it exactly like that. Just like that. Uh, hire me. Hire me, Brendan. While I'll remain as a consulting creative director on PUBG, development will be led by Taesok Jang and the fantastic team I've had the... <coughs> did I fuck that up? Is someone laughing at me? No, she coughed. No, oh, I was okay. coughing. Okay. And the fantastic team I've had the honor of working with over the past three years. They have some great things planned for this year, and I can't wait to share more with you soon. Going forward, I'll be based in Amsterdam rather than Seoul and focus and, and focus building an, out an entirely new division to focus on research and game development. Oh my God, this keeps going. Online and experiences and spaces can, can connect us in ways I only dreamed of when I first sat in front of a computer some 30 years ago. And it is those dreams of connecting others that is driving our work at PUBG Special Projects. We are tasked with exploring, experimenting, and creating new technologies, tools, pipelines, and gameplay. But for me... It is more than that. Together with a team of game developers and researchers, we will explore new possibilities of interaction and connection within the game space. I'll also be making a new life for myself in Amsterdam. I've spent the last two years, the past two years on the road, meeting so many of you at conventions and other industry events, which have been, which has been a fantastic experience, but I missed having a place to call home and a room to play games. So I can't wait to start this new journey with a new team in a new city, play some games again, and see what the future holds. Thank you again for all of your support over the last five years. See you in game, player unknown. P.S. If you think you've something to offer the PUBG special projects team in Amsterdam, check out careers.pubg.com. Boom. Molly, we know you're in Amsterdam. Do you need a job, Molly? Molly. Go work for player unknown. We should all just move to Amsterdam. (laughs) Sounds cool. It's really lovely there. It's very pretty. I like it a lot. So, but I was like, "How is this a Twitter message?" And then I went and clicked through, and I'm like, "Oh, he did images. He cheated." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, like, there's no way that that would fit. The hunt. Yeah, yeah. everyone's all about the notes app, mm-hmm. the iOS notes app on their tweets. <laughs> well, so this weird. was a fancier version of that. Yes. Um. So this is not surprising. I'm sure he's like, listen. I've been doing this for a long time, much longer than PUBG Corp has ever been a thing. And he probably just wants a little change of pace. He's, you know, been working really hard and scaling up a corporation the way that he had to scale when, you know, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds blew up the way it did is taxing and stressful. 
So no surprising that he wants to move on, maybe try some other things. What those other things are, who knows? I would guess that he maybe wants to leave altogether but can't because of his contract. And then the the happy medium was him going to work on special projects. And being In a Amsterdam. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm sure he's thinking, what's the next big genre going to be? What's the yeah, next I battle mean, royale? Someone like him likes to tinker, right? So he's mm-hmm. going to continue to do that. He just also maybe needs a little R and R. That makes sense. Maybe he's got a boo in Amsterdam that he's not telling us about. Ooh. Oh shit! I don't know. Is he married? I have, I have no, idea. no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing about his personal life. Maybe he's got a secret husbando in Amsterdam. Who could say? Husbando, yeah. waifu, whatever your preference. There's all sorts of maybe things in both. the world for you. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations, Brendan. We wish you the best of luck, and we look forward to all of the crossovers that are coming to PUBG, because, man, they are coming fast and furious now. But is the Fast and the Furious in it yet? Oh, man. Oh, snap! That would be a cool crossover. Because they got those dumb vehicles. (laughs) It would be great. (laughs) What if it was just Cars Battle Royale, like Mad Max stuff? No, this legit needs to happen. Twisted Metal would be the best Battle Royale, the next best Battle Royale game ever. Oh yeah, how did I completely forgot Twisted Metal was a thing I for a minute because it's been gone for a long time. <laughs> I don't care. It needs to come back. Give me my sweet tooth. Give me my minion. Give me my axle. My thumper. My outlaw. My grasshopper. My hammerhead. Oh my. Speaking God. of things that have not been around for a little while. Oh shit. Borderlands Three incoming? Maybe. Uh, this is via Gamespot. It looks like Borderlands developer Gearbox might announce its next game very soon. The studio posted a teaser on image on Twitter on Wednesday that many are taking to be a sign that Borderlands 3 will be announced during a panel at PAX East later this month. The teaser image shows a highway sign for Boston, Massachusetts and a date, March 28th, while the background looks visually similar to the style of the Borderlands series. The top right of the highway sign shows the bottom half of the number 3. PAX East takes place in Boston and the 3 might be a signal that this is all in reference to Borderlands 3. March 28th is the same day that Gearbox is holding a panel at PAX East Biggest Hall. Among other things, the panel promises never-before-seen reveals, exclusives, and surprises. For those who cannot attend, the event will be live-streamed. Um, yes. Update to this story, Gearbox has now teased, quote, another game to be unveiled at PAX, and in the process confirmed that this is the first teaser, wait, confirmed that this first teaser is for PAX as well. The second teaser shows a machine in some kind of laboratory, kicking off speculation regarding what that could mean. Oh my god, I am so here for this. I am so excited. Another teaser. So the first photo is definitely Borderlands. Like, the font is the same, Mm -hmm. the desert and the graphics are the same. This is 100% Borderlands. And curiously, the exit number is exit number three. I mean, yeah. it's about time. Like, It's overdue. We've been waiting for this Borderlands 3 announcement for a couple of years now. So it, it feels like the right time to announce it now, give a little teaser, and then maybe at E3 do like a deep dive on gameplay. Um, and then maybe we get a fall 2019 release date. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I would hope. My mind. That would be the best. Because I feel like at this um, point we all know I don't think they even need to do a deep dive at E3 on gameplay. Like, I know what Borderlands is. Well, Everybody that's the knows question. What it is. A lot of people are speculating, will this turn into a games as a service? Or is it going to... Mm. I personally would... I hope not. 
I hope it's. I hope not because I don't have time for that. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. I mean, I was thinking about this, and I have a lot of fun with games as a service, but Borderlands has even even though you can play multiplayer, it does have a really interesting story and characters there. And I feel like you tend to lose the impact of some of those moments and characters in a games as a service because you have so much going on at once and so much to do. I can't remember half the people I talked to in Destiny and I put, you know, over 100 hours into those games, even playing The Division. I don't, don't shake your head at me, Andrea Renee. I don't remember half the people I'm talking to in The Division because there's just so much going on. Oh, that's so sad. I just like, it hurts my heart that you don't stop to learn about these characters. No, no, and that's the thing is I do. I will, I do in the sense that I watch every cutscene. I talk to everybody I can, but I just feel like there's always they so much happening. They don't stick with you? They don't stick with me. Yeah. And, you I know, mean, it's I, because you can't bang them. So, like, why, exactly. why are they important? <laughs> why can't I just, uh, I was going to say, why can't I just bang everyone? Then I'll remember everything. And then that just doesn't sound right. <laughs> So the only way you can remember things or a person is if you bang you. I'm them. sorry, I'll forget your name. I mean, we do sleep together, so it's fine. <laughs> That's true, we do. Um, but yeah, so I hope this. <laughs> I hope this doesn't go games as a service. I hope it stays true to its old roots. But that's the question. You know, what is this going to look like? Dun, the dun, other dun. game teaser is also weird looking. I just looked at it. Yeah. Um. The lab. Yeah. So. So it's um so it's like a like a doctor's bed with a light over the top of it. It's like Frankenstein you would see. shit. But with Yeah, robots. and then there's like a body with like an arm to the side and like there's but no that head. That arm looks like a robot it, arm. It doesn't look like yeah, a real person. Yeah, it looks like a, arm. like an android, right? Yeah. That's like dismantled, right? It's missing parts and there's all of these wires coming from the top of the ceiling and down plugging into different parts of the the android and into the bed and going off the bed. It looks like some kind of a laboratory. Um, it lo- the art style kind of reminds me a little bit of Battleborn. I was going to say um, Battleborn. Yeah, <laughs> but like, yeah. like dead. Surely that couldn't be. It dead. Right? No, I don't think that they would revisit Battleborn, uh, despite the fact that I thought that game was really underrated and was a very fun game to play. It just was a very complicated game and it was a very difficult game to message. And they launched it just too close to Overwatch. And Overwatch just kind of like rolled over it. Yeah. And unfortunately, they weren't able to keep enough of a player base in the servers in order to make all of those multiplayer modes feasible so i'm not sure if this is like a new ip or if maybe it's an extension of an existing ip that gearbox has it also reminds me a little bit of the art aesthetic of uh the game that gearbox published last year uh we happy Happy few Few. but they didn't but they didn't make that that game but they did buy compulsion games i thought Mm. or maybe gearbox was just publishing no microsoft microsoft bought them i was like what Um, yeah (laughs) Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't think it's that either. I'm going to guess this is probably like a new thing that Gearbox is working on. But when it yeah. comes to Borderlands 3, I put hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours into the Borderlands collection. Dare I say close to thousands of hours um, it, across all of the titles. And I really, really love the formula. I agree that a games as service probably doesn't make sense. However, Gearbox was always very... F- great at putting out meaningful DLC packs that really added to the lore and the narrative of the world while also offering a better gameplay experience. I did like what they were doing with the unlock keys with the loot like vending machines that we saw in Borderlands 2. I think that the well, the vault keys I think they were. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what they were what they yeah, were exact vault keys, yeah. nomen- nomenclature was, but I think that when we talk about looter shooters 
Borderlands to me is the de facto looter shooter. It was like the one to rule them all. They really nailed it and really nailed that drive to get better loot and to want cooler guns that have personality that you can also chase, like the 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 orange gun and the purple yeah. guns. And it really made you feel good when you took down a giant boss and then outsprung this piece of loot across the map. And you're like, oh my gosh, there's a purple over it's there. It's color. Go get the colors. <laughs> the colors. Duke the colors. Remember when they talked about how many guns are in Borderlands 2? I think it was like 17 point bajillion million because of the random yeah the random yeah so good the random generated loot oh yeah god that game is so good and borderlands just fills this void that i feel like they're just no other game does it's sense of humor it's art style the charm of it it's just there's nothing else out there like it and so i think this game could be wildly successful just if it just remains an online or local well they probably get rid of local but co-op game it doesn't need the online component shenaniganry Well, I think that, you know, they should continue to do online the way they have been doing it. What I don't think they need is to, like, shoehorn in public spaces where you're online in a group of, like, 20 people in an instance. Because the way that they've always worked is that there's four or sometimes five vault hunters to choose from. You pick a vault hunter, then you customize with all these cool skins, and that's it. It's not like you're creating your vault hunter. But if they went to a more highly customized system where you were creating your Vault Hunter from scratch, I wouldn't be opposed to that. Like you create your Guardian. I think that that could be a really cool way to kind of change up the formula of what they've done. But it would also dramatically change the way they do their RPG progression and the way they do their overall narrative. Um, I do think that that series could benefit from some tweaks to the way that they do multiplayer progression because I always found myself having to replay and not get credit for a lot of those story yeah, missions. Yeah. And so we'd have to go back and do the missions over and over and over again, which feels like a staple of online games as services now. <laughs> like, is, there's got to be a way we can fix this. <laughs> I know. Even Far Cry does that. Yeah. Lately, it's but, man. And I know it's a, it's a tough nut to crack, but... I love Borderlands. There's obviously, like, right behind me, you can see the Claptrap robot on my shelf. Um, And I've been a big fan of this series for a really long time. So very excited about Borderlands 3 coming back. And hopefully we'll have more news in um, just a couple of weeks. It reminds me that I'm thinking about Gearbox being in the main theater at PAX reminds me that I completely forgot to announce that I'm moderating a really cool panel at PAX. Oh, here well, you, there go. you go. Here you go. So now's the time for me to announce that um, Adult Swim Games, excuse me, not Adult Swim, um, Squanch Games has invited me to moderate their panel with Justin Roiland, who is publishing a game called Trover Saves the Universe um, in the main theater at PAX East. And we're going to have a bunch of special guests on the panel that I don't think I can announce yet. But it's all about comedy and games, and we're going to have some really fun conversations. And that's happening at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time in the main theater at PAX East, so just ahead of the What's Good Games panel. So if you're going to be at PAX on Thursday, please come down down to the main theater uh, for the Squanch Games panel because I will be hanging out with Justin, and we'll be bringing up some really fun special guests. Uh, and some of the people that we're bringing up, you're going to want to hear what they have to say. Oh, so, she. That's awesome. You I didn't know it was in the main theater. Look at you, badass. 
Yeah. Um, it's going to be fun. Just to wrap up this story real quick, I think this is the real reason the Take Two stock rose. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. So we cut a story. Yeah. So what she's referring to, we cut a story from the rundown. You may have heard people uh, bantering about how Sony Interactive Entertainment is in talks to purchase Take Two Interactive. And I could not roll my eyes hard enough about how ridiculous these rumors were. And the reason we took it from the show is because Wedbush came out and was like, yo, we were totally misquoted. That's not what we were saying at all. Like, <laughs> this is not actually happening. And so we're like, what? what's the point of us talking about a rumor that's already been debunked? <laughs> yeah, and they're like, the stock rose because of this announcement of close negotiations. And it's like, no, Borderlands 3, y'all. That was the Borderlands 3 tease. Calm down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all. All right. All right, so let me close down this weird teaser image of this game that we don't know anything about and move on to our (laughs) next story. Xbox had some big news drop this week. Halo, the Master Chief Collection, is finally coming to PC, one game at a time. So this write-up comes from Game Informer, and it's quite long, so I'm probably going to skip over a few of these things. But essentially, the Master Chief Collection, as you guys know, has served as a great bundle of earlier Halo games. And today, not today, earlier this week, Microsoft announced that the collection is finally coming to PC by way of Steam and the Microsoft Store. Rather than releasing the myriad of titles all at once, 343 has decided that launching the games in chronological order when the story takes place. This means for the first time ever, PC players will get to experience Halo Reach's campaign, multiplayer, and firefight modes, then Halo Combat Evolved, Halo 2, Halo 3, Halo 3 ODST, and Halo 4. Players purchase the games individually within the Master Chief Collection as they launch, though no pricing has been announced at this point. 343 Industries has shown strong support for the bundle since its initial launch in 2014, and it appears as though that will continue with the PC release, as the studio says each game will grow and evolve with community input. 343 also indicated that Reach will get the same treatment as the other Master Chief Collection games, including 4K resolution, HDR graphics, and 60 frames per second. And how you're going to get that Halo Reach depends on where and how you purchased the Master Chief Collection originally. Here's the breakdown from Microsoft. Halo Reach's multiplayer content, which includes The Forge and The Theater, will be automatically included for everyone who already owns Halo The Master Chief Collection, while Halo Reach's campaign and firefight experiences will be offered together as a premium digital add-on. Xbox Game Pass subscribers will have access to the entirety of Halo Reach within MCC as part of their subscription. Halo Reach will look and play just as great when it lands on the Microsoft Store and Steam with campaign, multiplayer, and firefight available for purchase as the first steps in this PC journey. So as you guys may remember, Halo the Master Chief Collection had some multiplayer issues at launch, but I personally loved the single player. I talked about this on Games Daily earlier this week because I didn't remember all of the issues of multiplayer that they had with matchmaking and network connectivity because I did not go into the multiplayer services (laughs) at all. I was just there for the campaign. That was me as well. So I love Halo and... I think it was 2015 that Halo 5 released. So the week leading up to that release, Jason and I just blew through the Master Chief collection and just played every game back to back to back to back. And I'm so excited that Reach is coming out. I've only played Reach once, but I remember it was a fairly emotional. I got emotional during the Reach game. was my favorite 
or I should say Reach, is my favorite Halo game. What? Of all the Halos. Hot and take. I know that might be sac- and then that might be sacrilege to say for Halo wow. purists. But it was just the one story that really resonated with me the most. And I think I it holds a special place for me because I actually hadn't played any of the previous Halo games before I played Reach. I played Reach first, and then I went back and played Halo, which actually makes sense because Reach is, is the prequel. Um, but I, the reason why I played Reach first was because it, it launched at a time when I was getting back into gaming, and it was one of the first first-person shooters that I actually played from start to finish, and I actually played until the credits rolled because first-person shooters, while they're one of my absolutely favorite fran- uh, genres of video games today – I never loved back then. And it was all because I really just really struggled with the dual sticks. Like we all do when we first learn how to do camera control and movement at the same time. Like you have to practice a long time. So I felt like I was constantly like either like spinning around looking at the sky or spinning around looking at the ground. I was like, oh, this game is too hard. I can't play it. Rage quit. But – I sat down and played Reach all the way through because at the time I had a boyfriend who was very adamant that we play Halo together when I was like, let's just play more rock band. <laughs> and so I ended up playing all the way through and it captured me in such a way that I was not anticipating. And that's why it holds this like special place as I look back at it. And I'm like, man, especially that final scene in reach and i won't spoil it if you've never played it even though it's very old and i could <laughs> but it was so impactful and powerful and we should absolutely play this together Brittany. i would love Timer. to if you're in yeah we could do we could do three we could do three player co-op sure sweet i don't mind halo with other people i just get bored if it's me alone what how how do you get bored I, it's halo? a first person shooters i get bored if i'm playing a single player campaign I can play it for a few hours and then I don't want to play it anymore. Is it is it Halo's feel? It's or not it just, just Halo. It's oh. any first person about- shooter. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I got it. This um, is why she's abandoned Destiny. What? Uh, Wait, what did you say? You have. When's the last time you logged into Destiny? I don't like Destiny because I, yeah, I can't see myself. So are we deleting you from the clan? Is that what you're saying, Simon? Yeah. I'll play Division. <laughs> I love you. Got it. I'll replace one D with another. It's only been one week. <laughs> Oh, oh! Okay, hold on. Go get it. Go get. She it. had to go get the pillow for that alone. I, I respect on. that. I had to get up for this shit. Yeah. This is a prime. That's what she said. Moment. <laughs> oh, yeah. That might be the best. That's what she said. Moment ever, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> I know that Brittany can't see that most of the pillow was cropped out of her framing, so I'm gonna hold this one up too. I, I tried real I hard to, to get it, it sideways. In there. That's what she said. Double pillows. Uh, I would Hell love. Yeah. I would love to play more <laughs> Halo. I've been getting the itch to play more Halo lately. It's been a thing I want to do, but there's too many damn games out right now. I just don't have the time. I know, ain't that the truth? But not that we're gonna play this on PC, because lol, lol, well, we would never do that. But <laughs> when once we have a little bit of a lull, we could definitely um, pick this up on Xbox One X because they've put out the enhanced for Xbox One X um, patch. Like it's been a while now since that patch has been out, so we could uh, we could go back. So they didn't. Did they give a release date in this story? I don't think. I don't think so. Oh. 
I don't remember see. I don't one. see one here. Oh, it just says later this year. So once they add reach, though, Britt, we'll go back. How about that? We'll play. We'll put that flag down. When Microsoft puts Reach into the Master Chief collection, we will go back and play it. I, yes, I would like to agree with you, but it depends what the hell else is releasing around that time, Andrea. You and I both know that. Let's not kid ourselves. Wow. I'm just asking for a, a commitment to play one of the f- games that you really love and I, you still won't do it. No, it's not that. I just Brent, have a commitment to watch good games and coverage. <laughs> okay. So now the person who knows the least about Harry Potter is going to read... Hell yeah. Harry Potter. You could rock it. I believe in you. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pr- mispronounce also, so many things. Also, this is a very long story, so you don't have to read all of these details. I don't know what's important um, or not in this Harry Potter story. I don't know what I don't know what you care about. Oh. Um okay, if I highlight it, yes. don't read it. How about that? Don't read the highlighted. Okay. So if I highlight something in the doc, don't read it. Okay. <clears throat> I should put on my my really like wizardy fantasy accent for this. Put on your British accent for it. <clears throat> Oi. Oi! Wait, no, that's Australian, isn't it? I don't know. What it is, is, but you always do it for British. That's true. <laughs> Niantic has unveiled Harry Potter Wizards Unite. It's next licensed game following the Pokemon Go <gasps> phenom. A cool production with Harry Potter-centric publisher Port Key Games. Okay, I don't know what's going on. The mobile the mobile game will allow venture, players to venture the real world as wizards and witches, casting spells and entering special challenges to protect the world from Muggle eyes. Those are humans, right? Muggles? Yes, okay. correct. Non-magical people. Not ma- Oh! Here's how Niantic describes the underlying storyline for Wizards Unite, in which players are a member of the Statute of Secrecy Task Force, a group that works to a group that works to protect the Ministry of Magic's law that wizards cannot tell muggles, aka non-magical humans, that magic exists. A calamity has befallen the wizarding world, causing artifacts, creatures, people, and even memories to mysteriously appear in the muggle world. Witches and wizards from across the globe must come together to solve the mystery of the calamity, overcome the confounding chaotic magic that surrounds these foundables, and return them to their rightful place, keeping them safe from muggle eyes. If I have to read muggle one more time. Muggle (laughs) eyes specifically is like the phrase. Shots every time Brit says the word muggle. Oh, God, I'm going to punch myself in the face if I have to say muggle one more time. Your journey begins as a new recruit for the Statute of Secrecy Task Force, established by the Ministry (laughs) of Magic and the International Confederation of Wizards for the purpose of investigating. Did I already read this? I mean, it's it's kind of repeating itself a little bit. Um, You can skip that section, too. Yeah, just skip it. Okay, where do you want me to start? Start right here. (laughs) <laughs> These can be located at myriad muggle locations around the world, sort of like Pokestops in Pokemon Go. The game will also launch with multiplayer wizarding challenges that allow friends to group up and take on Death Eaters, Dementors, and other magical villains. It's like trainer battles, in a sense. Although friends will work together, not against each other. Everyone will also be able to choose a magical profession on top of their task force duties to aid them in these challenges. Pre-registration is open on the Google Play Store for Android devices. A release date has still not been announced. I love the way you're shifting between accents constantly. (laughs) Also, you said muggle again and you did not punch yourself. Punch Punch yourself in locations. Punch yourself. (laughs) Damn it. You gotta punch yourself because you said muggle and it's time to punch yourself. I, I was so into my weird <laughs> my weird character that I didn't even notice I said that stupid word again. 
It's too much like Moogle. Anyway, so what does this mean? Are you ladies excited? Because I have no idea what I just read. So this was the game from Pottermore that everyone was looking forward to. The other Harry Potter well, RPG not that came out on mobile, everyone was like, wah, wah, this is not the game we want. We want the game from Niantic because obviously Niantic crushed it with Pokemon Go as evidenced by the billions of dollars that they've made on that game over the last couple of years. So we were really waiting with bated breath to see if they were going to execute this. The early screens that I've seen and the little bit of gameplay makes it look very much like Pokemon Go, but it's going to be hard to know exactly how it's going to work until we get to try it in the wild. I don't think that this game is going to get the same kind of pickup that Pokemon Go has because in some of these screenshots that I've been looking at, when you look at them, and you guys can click on the the link at the very top of the story there if you want to look at them as well, you can see Harry and Ron in the AR game. And whenever you put real humans in a video game, they always look weird. The Uncanny Valley is a real thing. And that's what I think is going to really hold this game back and where Pokemon really succeeded is that you can turn the AR off, which most people do in Pokemon Go because the AR just drains your battery. (laughs) And then these are just really like mythical creatures, right? They look fantastical. They, They look like they're meant to be fake. And when you put try to put real characters in AR, it always just ends up looking a little weird. So there's this one um, shot where you see Ron with this giant spider. And the way the AR works is you're like shooting your wand and throwing a spell. And it's like the ridiculous spell. And then it puts roller skates on all the spider's legs. And it's kind of silly looking. So I don't know if this is just going to be one giant joke or if it's actually going to be cool. What's, and I'm I'm worried I'm worried now where where I was excited before. So what's what is the, the, the oh, video above that? Is that supposed to be Harry Potter himself with a weird like ghoul thing sucking life out of him? It's a dementor. It's a dementor. Is that supposed to be Harry? That is Harry. Yes, po- that uh, is Harry. Yeah. So that doesn't look funny. That looks fucking terrifying. That looks like the kind of stuff I like to see in my horror movies. Right. So does that? That's not a spider with rollerblades, right? Well, the, 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 no. So if you scroll down a little bit, you'll see the other one. I saw that one, but I'm looking at this, and this looks terrifying. Yeah, well, it looks death, terrifying, but it's ima- scary. Yeah, but imagine though where you're at in the world. What if you're like in Disneyland playing Harry Potter Wizards Unite and there's this weird dementia? Or just like it doesn't make sense. You know, like you can literally catch Pokemon anywhere. That's why that's what made Pokemon Go so successful. Is that it's like, oh yeah, you're like the whole shtick of Pokemon is that you're like out wandering around and Bam, there's an encounter with Pokemon, right? But Harry Potter doesn't quite work that way. And so I'm a little bit worried that this is gonna this is gonna tank and it's gonna be weird and awkward. You have to protect my muggle eyes, Andrea. Also, the the spider is a boggart. Guys. Oh. But, well, so yeah, but, a bogger yes. is a thing that appears as, as like the thing you fear the most ron is spiders oh, casting right, ridiculous but, makes the spider have um roller skates which therefore makes disarms that the bogger fear right oh. but it's it, it's manifesting as a spider yes right? because ron is afraid of spiders. yes and mm-hmm. so it's just like i i don't know what to do with this like i wanted to be pumped and i'm kind of like meh 
this is not getting me excited at all. And that's sad because I love Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, mean, I was never super excited about yeah. these things. So I don't know. Really, I, I think really we're all away. still waiting for that leaked Harry Potter oh, footage yeah. to show its face. Mm, yes. Please give me that. I think that's probably going to happen at E3. Or maybe they'll do a reveal event before E3. But with Warner Brothers having Mortal Kombat coming out in April, I don't anticipate them trying to get into the way of that, that marketing cycle. So we probably won't see anything about the actual Harry Potter RPG probably until May at the earliest and then more likely E3. But. That's a game I'm excited about. Yeah. I, See, that's the one. You know, I'll probably play this more than you will, Andrea. Wizards Unite. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. You absolutely will. I'm not going to give them <laughs> as much money as I gave Pokemon Go, I'll tell you that much. I learned my damn We could lesson. play together. We there could we go. go cast spells together. It could be fun. Yeah, and Simon can tell me what all the skills are, the spells, and what the things do, and I don't know what's happening anymore. It's I'm like, very good at magic. The roles have reversed. The Wizarding World of Harry Potter. And I borrowed someone's wand, and I nailed every spell. Oh, girl. This I'm so excited to go to go there later this year. I'm making a plan. I've never been to the Wizarding World. To the World real one, yeah. Yeah, to the one in Florida. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go. <gasps> Steimer, we could go to the one in London. Is there is one it, in London? Is there one in London? Am I making that up? I thought there was one in London. I've been to actual King's Cross in London, mm-hmm. where they have we'll platform nine and three quarters there. While we look that up, we're going to take a short break. That is the end of our news segment. We hope that you enjoyed yourself. Apologies if we've missed any breaking news. It is GDC week upcoming. Very close. Just a few days away now. So expect lots of cool things to be happening. But take a short break. We will be right back after this. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the second segment of the What's Good Games podcast. I'm realizing there was something I was supposed to do at the top of the second segment that now I'm completely forgetting to do. Did you want me to talk about when I fell at my track meet? Oh my gosh. Yes, I do. I absolutely want you to talk about that. Okay, it's a really dumb story. But it was it was a bad day for me. It was a really bad day for me. So I had never done track before. And I, I wanted to be out and moving my muscles and breaking a sweat every now and again. So I'm like, I'll join track. I thought I was fast. I was not fast. I was really bad. I did the 100 meters, the sprint. And my very first track meet, I was so full of adrenaline and something else. I don't know what was taking over my body, but something was. And I get my little crouch position and I start running. I'm basically dead last because I am not a fast person at all. But this thing (laughs) happened where my legs... My upper body went faster than my legs, or my legs went faster than my upper body. I'm not sure which one it was. And I just fell, and I skid. I skid most of those 100 meters on the ground. And I just fell, and I just ate shit. And then I got up, and I was, like, lipping to the finish line. Of course, everyone was watching me, because I was already dead last anyway. And then I had a limp to the finish line. So that was not, like, that's not bad enough. Oh, it gets worse. Oh, wait, what? Oh, yeah. So that same day, as I'm nursing my wounds, licking my wounds, if you will, so there, it was a big stadium. It was at a high school. And there's a whole bunch of kids, maybe like 20 rows up um, in the stadium. And they were playing with a basketball. And I was out for the count. So I was just kind of like hanging around, walking around the part of the track that wasn't being used at that time. And the kids dropped the kids. They were my age at the time. They dropped their basketball. 
and it goes down the, the stadium. And I'm like, I'll do a good deed. I'll go get this basketball for them. So now, like, everyone's seeing me go for this basketball. And I'm walking toward the basketball. I didn't know there was a little metal separator separating the track part from the grass part of the field. I trip on this, fall on my ass in front of the entire stadium of people, especially the kids who are watching me get their basketball. And they all just pointed and laughed at me. And I still had to give them the basketball. I had no dignity oh, left. No. I would have taken the basketball and ran. I should have just ran away. <laughs> just, yeah. I, I didn't have my driver's license at that point in my life, Simon. I couldn't. I guess I could have ran home. You can walk. With my busted knee. But yeah, that yeah. was a great day. I, I've always been a klutz. Just oh, limp off Fritz. campus. Wait for your mom. Oh, my God. It was so mortifying. I still think about that in clench. Ugh. Anyway, that's all. That's pretty bad. That's that my sucks. Story. It's fine. I'm sorry that you had to go through that. But you know what? Look at you. Yeah. Look- Came out the other side stronger faster with just a little bit of road burn thanks andrea road rash thanks. what do you call that road, road rash rug, rug, rug burn or rug embarrassment burn? Road rash. mortification scars emotional, emotional scars. scarring yeah i think yeah, emotional that's scarring what that's called. Is. yeah but now you just lean into it now there's no way to embarrass brick because you just lean in i've already done all that i can possibly do You're like you know what that was the world's most embarrassing moment i know um, i'm sure i'll top it probably okay for now on it's fine. Thanks, ladies. You know what? I feel better now that we've heard this story. It makes you- me feel better about my life. Oh, I was going to say, do you feel closer to me? Do you feel <gasps> like we shared emotional trauma? But no, you used oh, to yes. abuse me. You used me to elevate oh, no, your own Brit, personal stuff. Let me, let, me, uh, let me get down to your level. Let me, uh, Whoa. Let me, let me join in on this. There was um, um, a moment when I also ran track. And I have some photos of me in my track outfits. Ew. They were not pleasant <laughs> because I was... A very overweight child. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had the, the triple chin going on in middle school for sure. Um, listen, I liked my little Debbies in the middle of the night. No one was to deny me my star crunches. Okay. They oh, were my delicious. goodness. A star crunch? <laughs> Tell me you've had one, Brittany. I don't know what a star crunch is. I've never heard of those Oh, before. my gosh. Okay. Now I'm literally Googling this right now. Little Debbie's. Also, am I the only one that has not run track? You saved I did yourself. Not, star, I did not run Debbie track. Little Debbie Star Crunch Crisp Snacks. That's what they're called. I'm literally oh. going to like Google or uh, Amazon this to the house so you can try one. They were Ooh. my favorite thing. Okay. Oh. Cookies I was- with caramel and crisp rice. Yeah, that sounds like a thing I'd like. Done. Oh, yeah. They are the bomb they're delicious um and i would always sneak out of my bedroom in the middle of the night and eat them <laughs> at like two or three o'clock in the morning and then my mom would be like who ate all that i was like i don't know mom it was lacy it's my sister don't mind the and she did it. 10 pounds i gained last week it's fine don't worry about it um so um i would always get really nervous running track because you know when you run track they shoot a gun oh or yeah like a pop cap gun to like do like the three two one go uh, to do the starts and you would have to get into the the blocks is what they called them. Right. the mm-hmm. little things they put on the track you have one foot forward one foot back that you would put your feet against so you could brace to like push off to run when they shot the starting gun and i would get so nervous that i would pee a little right before the gun would go off wait really <laughs> oh my yes. god Oh, that's way yeah. worse than mine. <laughs> because if you jump, because if you jump the gun, you're disqualified. 
tell you were so, so nervous that you would I tingle. I was so anxious. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I mean, okay. I, I don't want to get the too guns details. And I would pee just a little bit. Did, just a little bit. It, so it wasn't enough to like drip it down your leg. It wasn't like, yeah. Oh no, I wasn't like running down my leg or anything hey, crazy. I'm just, okay. So it was just, okay. I understand. Well, that it was that's, a very minor pee. A very minor yeah, tingle. It's like for all the women out there that have given birth. And I'm not one of them because I've not given birth. But, you know, sometimes after you give birth, things move around. And if you sneeze or whatever, like a little little bit comes out. Like a spritzer. A little comes out. Yeah. A little spritzer. Yeah. Like a white wine spritzer. <laughs> <laughs> These are just things that happen, you know, when you're a grown woman. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, at the time, no, I was just nervous. <laughs> just that nervous. is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> now i have to see pictures of you in your truck costume i have a box of photos when you come over this weekend i'll pull them out and show them to you and maybe just maybe if i've had enough wine i'll tweet one of them <laughs> just maybe we'll see all right now it's time to get back on track i don't Literally know why i felt compelled to tell that story hey hey, hey. Um, so now we're going to talk about what we've been playing, and I bet you can guess what we've been playing this week. Um, it starts with a D. Um, but before we get there, um, we have to thank one of our fantastic sponsors for the show, Robin Hood. Robin Hood is not a man in green tights and a green hat, but is instead an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free. While other brokerages charge up to $10 every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there is no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections such as 100 most popular with Robinhood you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio discover new stocks track your favorite companies and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest Robinhood is giving listeners of what's good games a free stock like Apple Ford or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at whatsgood.robinhood.com. That's whatsgood.robinhood.com to get started with your portfolio today. That rhymes. I still have this. Whatsgood.robinhood.com. The, the oh, oh, kind of ruins it, but yeah. 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 Well, I mean, you gotta, yeah, you gotta do the dot com part, though. You gotta get the right place. Dot com. <laughs> Um, so before we get into talk of the division two, which I know will take over this segment, cause that's what we've probably <laughs> all been playing the most, Britt, I see that you've been playing a couple other things. So a little bit more final fantasy on the switch. Is that the same as we were talking about before? Mm-mm. I've moved no, on. You were playing final fantasy four. Yeah. Before? I was playing that. And I switched playing final fantasies. Yeah. Yes, I am. So yeah, I was playing final fantasy four on my Vita. And Final Fantasy IX recently just came to Switch, and it's been a it's been a hot minute since I played Final Fantasy IX, and I've always said it's my favorite Final Fantasy. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna hop into it, put on those boosters, you know, do the the level ninety nine, the max gill, turn off all random encounters. The boosters are weird in that game, though. How did you find? 
No, no. I mean, they make sense. Like, how are they? How? Talk to me, girl. Okay, so remember, this was the first Final Fantasy that I played with Alexa Ray Mm -hmm. because I told her that I would play it. And then I turned on the boosters as per your and her recommendations. And I remember the movement booster in particular made me feel like, Super crazy. Oh, I didn't use it was that. Just like very fast. <laughs> <laughs> so fast. Not used to You're it. Sonic. No. So I did the max level booster, which is ninety. These were the only ones I saw the option. This might be a switch thing. I don't know. So max level ninety nine, max AP, and max gill, and all random battles I turned off. So I didn't do anything with the movement or anything. So what this obviously allows you to do is just enjoy. The story. I will say I think the combat and the leveling system in Final Fantasy IX is one of my favorites. But I've been there, done that. I did that grind when I was 13 years old, put over 100 hours into this game, and I got Zidane up to level 99, pure, raw, and organically. And so you I mean JT? Or JT, if you're Andrea Renee. And I don't need to do that struggle again. But, you know, it's, I, I was, I've always said Final Fantasy IX is my favorite Final Fantasy, and I, and I stood by that. But now that I've played it again... I stand by it even harder. I'm like, damn, this game is just so good. Because since I played Final Fantasy IX, I've played Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VIII, Final Fantasy IV, XV, X, XII, and maybe another one in there. And this is just, I think, the best. And I'm, I'm so there's someone screaming in their car right now. But I still just think this is the best with a cast of characters and the storytelling. And it's insane how... There are still some staple JRPG franchises out there, like you know Dragon Quest is just one example. But how well Square Enix is good, how good they are at making these Final Fantasy games, it's just it just replaying them. It's like, yeah, that's right, they are this good. Anyway, that's my Final Fantasy IX experience. It just still holds up, and it's still so much fun, and it looks great on the Switch. And so, if you've never played it before, I would say go do it. Put it on baby ass baby mode with all the modifiers and go. Or mm-hmm. boosters or whatever. Yeah, and I guess I think I really find the leveling to be satisfying, and I like how the ability system works in this game. But if you don't have the time, and if grinding is not your thing, and I do not game, have the time, then yeah, I, I think it's fun. You know, it's, it's a it's a cast of outcast characters, and they all are so different and so unique, and they all riff off of each other really well. And it has its funny moments, its emotional moments, and it's just a very engaging story. I think from the get go. Unless you have no idea what you're doing and this is not your thing. Like Andrea. I know sort of what I'm doing in Final Fantasy. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's easy. I mean, in my... If you've, if you've played a JRPG before... It, you, I have. Just, yeah. I have indeed. You'll be good yeah, to know. Yeah, so... My thing when I first started playing is obviously I just didn't know how the turn-based combat worked. I didn't know what any of the potions do. And I couldn't figure out like how to find any of the navigation in the game to learn like what potions did what and what items did what and and things like that so I was just a really kind of confused and I felt like when I was playing it on PS4 when I turned all of those modifiers on it kind of broke the original experience in both bad and good ways Mm. and what I meant by speed up is there was something that allowed me to like fast do all the battles, but it didn't just let me do the battles fast. It made the movement throughout the world fast and it made all the cutscenes go at hyperspeed. Oh, God. Which was really weird. Oh. And so I think that maybe they must have fixed that for the Switch version or maybe they've patched it. I don't even. I'm trying to, I'm trying to find something online that to see. If terrible. I can, 
Yeah, yeah so- no, it was bad. It was bad. I remember like when I was playing with Alexa, we were playing together. She was like, oh my God, this is a nightmare. Why? Why is this happening? That's weird. Yeah, I don't even remember seeing that option in the menu to do that booster. Maybe they just got rid of it altogether. But yeah, what's good about this is the random battles are turned off, but you still have to do all the boss battles and you still have to, you know, you see the cutscenes and you can't get out of op- battles that are required, right? You don't get out of those. And even though you are level 99, you have a very, very, very low chance of being killed, but you still are weak because your weapons are weak. Basically, getting to level 99 just gives you all of the HP that you need to not die instantly. So that might be a true baby-ass baby mode that I would encourage mm. people to check out. But don't do that speed shit. I didn't see it anywhere, so I don't even know if it's there. But and just don't do speed in general. <laughs> oh, you mean like the drug? Yeah, I was trying to oh. say a good thing. I forgot it was one until you cackled. Yeah, trying to be witty. Anyway, it's so good, it. and I love it. Cackles. <laughs> um, Andrea, okay, you've been more- playing two Ds. Ooh, yeah, I have. Oh. Um, so, Brittany and I talked last week about the season of The Drifter a little bit, because I had just kind of dipped my toes in because it was brand new. But I've played a lot more since then, and am really liking the new progression. Obviously, the Power Surge bounties helped me fast track up to my light level, which is now at like 653 or something like that. The grind to 700 is now underway, but I finally have gotten to play the reckoning mode, which is what something that unlocked that I didn't get to play last week. So Destiny 2 Forsaken Season of the Drifter is part of the annual pass for Destiny, part of Bungie's ongoing content for Destiny 2, the live service game. And I think that what they're doing with Season of the Drifter is much more interesting and engaging what they did than what they did with the Black Armory. So I'm glad to see that it feels like it's more robust. And what I love about Reckoning is that it just feels more like a traditional PvE horde mode that I really enjoy and love playing and less PvP. Though I always get down with some Iron Banner. It's fun and all playing in the Crucible, but... If I'm going to be grinding a lot of matches in order to get like a special gear set, I want to do something that's not PvP focused just because at a certain point, PvP just gets exhausting and hard and I get sad and, <laughs> and I'm like, hey, everyone's better than me. <laughs> and oh I just can't stop. The competitive stop nature playing. in you cannot handle that much PvP. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head, Steimer. So, um, also, I love the way that I have you cropped in the shot. It's your shirt has just got the just the little. Oh, there now the double fingers. Boy, bye. <laughs> <laughs> so, for people who are listening to the show, um, Simer has this very adorable slash hilarious slash attitude shirt on that's got double birds on it uh, that says in one hand it says boy and the other hand it says bye like not bird birds like not like the bird like the finger like flipping the bird yeah flipping like the, the bird. middle finger up this was a, a shirt from thailand that my friend brought back for me so i'm good. very excited about it that's and a good so get wore it. good job friend yeah whoever you are um but yeah so i'm having fun with it but of course now i've had to shelve it once again, Destiny, I'm sorry, but you're on the back burner for the Division 2. So, Steimer, you've just dipped your toes yes. into the Division 2. I have. I have indeed. How has it been so far? I mean, so far, so good, but also I 
I haven't played a while of a lot. I definitely, um, I thought about, I was like, should I message Andrea? Like, see, but then I wasn't sure how long I'd be playing for. So I didn't want to like set up the party and do the whole rigmarole and then be like, yo, I'm really actually very tired. I'm going to go to bed. Um, but I understand the, I like the world. I like the, the gameplay. I mean, it's one of those things where I always just playing it at E3. I knew I'd like it. Um, and I think the key for me will be saying what more of the end game is like and also, you know, partying up how that tends to work and how easily you can move together on missions because that I would say is a struggle for Anthem right now. Like th- that, that flow is not great. So if the division has addressed that and, you know, it's really seamless, I think it's something I'll continue to play for quite some time. It's been fantastic i am so happy that the launch so far has gone as flawless as it has and to be clear we're talking on wednesday night so it's still technically pre-launch everybody that's playing right now has pre-ordered the gold or the ultimate edition and across all platforms that the game is available on and then the game goes live worldwide on friday the day the podcast releases I've had a couple crashes, a couple pretty bad crashes where I've crashed me out in the middle of a mission, had to reboot up the game, got into a queue. (laughs) The longest queue I got into was 500 people deep. And I was like, oh, no, what? Um, And then it loaded me back in and I had to do the mission all over from the beginning. So that was a bummer. But for the most part, I've only had a few crashes It's been pretty stable. Uh, We're going to have to wait and see how it goes this weekend once they open the server population to everybody. Uh, I fully anticipate them doing, you know, some server maintenance and there are to be crashes. But then again, we've talked extensively on the show how this is to be expected when an online multiplayer game launches. Like no online multiplayer game launches flawlessly. Is there a day one patch that we know of? Yes, there's a gigantic day one patch. Okay. It is huge. Yeah, because I noticed some weird visual things when I was playing, but I was like, I assume that they will patch these. On PS4, yeah, it's like 90 gigs, right? It's something yeah, insane. It's Wait, the massive. patch is 90 gigs? That's what the rumors are. And the Xbox is 48 to 50 that, gigs. That's so like the entire game I just downloaded. So why would they... Yeah, so the install on PS4 Pro... Because uh, I have installed it on three consoles now, <laughs> it's forty-five gigs, and then the patch is supposed to be ninety gigs. How so? What? I, I don't know. It, it's kind of it's it's mind-boggling. It gets, but yeah. I yeah, I will say I think the reason why it's so big is because <laughs> what I've noticed is that there are pretty minimal loading screens throughout the open world uh, of the Division Two, which is such a refreshing change of pace from a lot of other open world games that have substantial loading screens throughout their open worlds. I mean, clearly Ubisoft is perfecting the open world. This is what they do, whether it's Far Cry, whether it's Ghost Recon, whether it's Assassin's Creed. Ubisoft is becoming masters of the open world. And what I love is that they've taken all of their lessons learned across all of their franchises and have applied it to The Division because unlike a publisher like EA or Activision, Ubisoft studios are all Ubisoft branded studios. So they all work together all the time. Not to say that EA studios don't work with each other, but 
we're not seeing a studio like Dice and Bioware working as closely together as studios within the Ubisoft umbrella do. And I think that that is really showing here with the division and why we've been able to see them launch really successfully and really take the genre of looter shooter um, in a direction that it sorely needs to go. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, I still think Borderlands is holding the crown as the best looter shooter and the division is not dethroning them right now. Um, but I, what I love about what they've done is they've made that integration with multiplayer much more friendly than it was previously. And so, Steimer, you had said, you know, you want to make sure that it's a better experience than Anthem. And I can say definitively it is a better experience than Anthem. So I've started the um, Agents of WGG Clan. Brittany, I'm passing you the torch to start Agents of WGG for Xbox players. It's called Agents... Like, how does the clan's naming work? Is it So I tried to do what's good agents, and there was just not enough characters for me to do what's good agents. Um, so, because we have the what's good guardian. So I, instead I did agents of WGG, because I didn't want to do WGG agents. I just didn't have the right ring to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> I went with agents of WGG, and so that's the, um, the PS4 clan. It's not open because... The one thing that they are really missing is um, it's the to get into the clan is not as easy as I would like. The clan features you have to be online, um, and you have to have already unlocked the woman who gives the clan like quest um, within the game in order to receive an invite. So it's kind of a little wonky, much like Monster Hunter World's multiplayer hookups were like a little wonky. But once you got in, it was fun. But. So far, it's been great. Britt, tell me, how has your multiplayer experience been? It's been great. So Jason and I are playing side-by-side on our two TVs, and we haven't... I haven't played on Xbox One X, and I haven't had any crashes, any issues. I think you've been playing a lot more, though, than I have. Andrea, I'm only, like, level five right now. Yeah, I'm level 14 now. Damn, girl. Look at you, you nerd. Yeah, I know. I've been playing a lot. (laughs) I know. That's awesome. But no, we, we just kind of started getting out of all of the stuff that we've played in the preview events. And so, I mean, yeah, I'm having a wonderful time with it. It's just as I expected. The Division 2 is obviously a great game. It's never been a game that really gets its hooks into me where it's the only game I ever think about, the only thing I ever want to do. And I just think a lot of that might have to do with the the setting of the game itself. I know it's like me and cities and me and trees, but... Uh, but it's it's a super fun game. Jason and I play it every chance we get. He's having a great time with it. I was curious to hear his thoughts because he obviously hasn't played it since the first division. And he's his initial reaction was, you know, it feels a lot like the first one. And I'm like, yeah, that's not really a bad thing. Obviously, you know, there's other skills you can unlock this time. And the setting is vastly different. And I re- really appreciate that. And I know he does. And I think a lot of people do, too. There's actual colors to this, t- this time around. You don't have to wear parkas all the time. Although I do need some sunglasses because my character's eyes turned out kind of wonky. They looked yeah. great. <laughs> they looked great. So it's like you. The customization. <laughs> wow. Ooh, I, that, that stung, but I liked it. But yeah. listen, you have beautiful eyes. You really do. I but do. Whenever you take photos, you intentionally give yourself freaky eyes. I do weird. I don't know how I manipulate the eyelids, but I do. But no, it, it's it's true because in my character creation screen, Simon, this reminded me of when you were always consistently unhappy with your Inquisition character because of the blush yep. or like something else. Um, she looked great. I'm like, yeah. And then she gets in 
into the game world and her eyes are suddenly like half the, the size wonky, and yeah. one's like looking one way, one's like not, I don't know what the other one's doing. It's like, this is fine. I mean, she's still hot, but I just, it's not how I created her. So I need to Did find you some give sunglasses. her a fro? I was annoyed that I couldn't like swap eyebrows or lips. Like I was just wanted like a little more with the customization. Um, you can definitely, you can take the template and then move those features around. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't swap them with anything. So I was slightly irritated at that. Um, but I'm whatever. I made a girl. I actually didn't do the thing I always do. I thought about it for half a second. I loaded into the game and I was like, should I reroll? No. Should I make oh. another character? And then I was like, no, just fucking oh, do, it. do it. You can put on a mask later if you really want to. It's I'll just find a hat and some glasses and call it good. It but- is a little weird to me, though. I think basically coming off of Anthem... It's bizarre to have a silent character again. Mm-hmm. And that is sort of throwing me off because I'm like, why? Oh, I don't. Right. OK, I don't say anything. <laughs> I I am just here. And there are weird moments in some of the cutscenes where the NPCs set up questions where it almost feels like it would be natural for you to answer. And I wish that they would have a little bit of dialogue like much like in Destiny and Destiny 2, your guardian is pretty much a silent guardian, but there were a couple moments where you had a voice in a few cutscenes because it made sense to have a few back and forth lines. I wish they would have taken that step here. Or at least write the script differently so that the NPCs are not asking you questions and it's not super obvious that you're not saying anything. <laughs> yeah, that's Just true. That's everything. true as well. But no, we're having a really good time and I really like the weather system. It was cool because... You know, when you boot into your separate games before he had joined my party, he had like this beautiful, sunny weather in his game. But I had this epic storm. It was thunder, lightning, torrential downpour. And it was really cool how that affected the gameplay because not only I couldn't see that well when Jason came in my game, but the enemies couldn't see that well either. And so he and I had to do some like flanking things so we could get closer because you can't see what the hell's happening during that storm. And it's just fun. It's it's a nice it feels like a nice fresh coat of paint applied to a game that I thought by the end division had worked out a lot of his kinks and it was really, really fun to play because I hopped in at the very end of the division. So everything was already kind of worked out. Right. So it, it's, it's great. I'm not having any issues whatsoever. I did have a tweaking body and I call it tweaking body when you shoot an enemy and it keeps convulsing on the ground oh, yeah. in a very erratic manner. But other than that, man, like, no, no problem. And that's almost in every yeah. game you play. I mean, I've had plenty of bugs. Like, you know, even when I was streaming, there was like an NPC like hanging from one of the second stories in a weird way. Like, that's going to happen in yeah. an open world game. And so I'm not I'm not fussed about that kind of stuff. For me, the game overall has been very steady and very smooth, and I'm happy about that. I think some of the things that they're really doing well and improvements that we've seen markedly over the Division 1 is level design. And I remember vividly starting in the division and really hitting a wall with enemies and a gameplay and losing interest, being like, I don't care about this story. The gameplay is boring. It's very samey. And then I walked away and I had to come back to the division over a year later after they've patched a bunch of things and made a lot of quality of life improvements to really appreciate the work that was done originally and now playing i'm like so hooked i'm thinking about logging in and playing right now and be like oh as soon as we're done with the show i'm gonna log back in and play some more 
And I think that goes to show that they really listened to their audience. They really listened to the fans who stuck with the game and they said, we want to make this game better. We want to make it more approachable. We also want to make it more rewarding. And they've done that. Um, And you look at, you know, looter shooters and you think about the in-game economy and how it balances with things that you can buy for real-world money. Because, of course, Ubisoft has been really great about this, whether it's cosmetics you can buy in Far Cry, cosmetics you can buy in Rainbow Six Siege, or even, you know, I talk we talk all the time about the cool stuff that you can buy in Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I think that Ubisoft is really looking at how can we add value for players who are already paying $60 to get into the game, but also we want to, you know, incentivize them to spend more money in the game, but make it not gross. How about some t-shirts that fit the women? Yeah, so that's a fair gripe and something that I actually noticed when I was playing last night. I was like, why do all these shirts look like these bogus unisex men's shirts where they all have super long sleeves and none of them look like lady shirts? And I was like, hmm. It's the apocalypse. There's no tailoring here. (laughs) You didn't get your red hair, Andrea. I looked. That was the first thing I looked for was the red hair. I know, but Julian told me he was going to put it in eventually. He was like, (laughs) now that you've made such a stink about it, I go, this is what I do. Squeaky wheel gets the grease, Julian. (laughs) Also, it's sort of weird that it's not because I feel like that is one of the, the base hair colors that they put in video games. I know that you can have purple hair, but you can't have red hair and green hair and blue hair. Like what's that? Not red. Like, because then you'd be too easy to spot. I don't know. Oh, that's exactly. Yeah. (laughs) But there is a component where you can dye your armor. So I fully expect you to make the ugliest agent you can, Brittany. (laughs) Oh, it's on. You thought the Colossus was something. Oh, no. Just you wait. I know. Watch out, DC. The clown's coming. Um yeah, so I wanted to talk just a little bit more about some some gameplay impressions. So you, Brittany, talked about how you were really impressed by the weather system, the dynamic weather, which, you know, Brittany and I got the opportunity to talk to Chad Chatterton about, who's one of the environmental artists at Massive. Was there anything else about the gameplay that you were really liked or disliked? Well, like I said, I'm still in this beginning area and stuff that I've played before with you at preview events. And so I'm not coming across anything brand spanking new. I do appreciate because, you know, when you're at the preview events, you have three other people that you're playing with and everyone kind of wants to get going. So you don't get time to just sit down and look around and take in all the details and just like gawk. And that's something I love doing in games. So I'm going to start doing that more now that I'm kind of out of this beginner area. But I like the at the rooftops, rooftop settlement. I think that's what it is. And yeah, I find the that you know, there's a lot yeah. going on. It's fun to hear the little like one or two liners that characters have. I think the acting is really well done. The characters so are hilarious. You know, interesting for as limited as they are. You know, the NPCs aren't like the super in-depth like Bioware characters, obviously. But so far, like it's all I have no complaints about the game whatsoever. But I'm still pretty new into it. Yeah. Early into no, it. I'm glad that you brought up, you know, talking about characters and, and, and one liners. And I think that. The style of narrative storytelling in The Division 2 is very different than a lot of other open world games that we've seen, and it's very different than Anthem. And I want to be clear. I do not want to make this a comparison to Anthem. I do think they are fundamentally different games. Oh, yeah. And and comparing them serves nobody. And what I want to say is what I love about what the division two does with narrative storytelling is what they started with the division echoes, which 
quite frankly, I found very few of in this game. Uh, the cell phones that you pick up, you know, other other conversations that you have with NPCs throughout the world, the side missions that you go on, I think all kind of tell a bigger story about what's happening in the world of The Division 2. Um, what I'm missing from that narrative storytelling is some meaningful interaction with some of these characters. Now, I've heard both you and Greg Brittany talk about how you've played a lot, you've watched the cutscenes, but you still like don't remember or care about who these characters are. And Not that I don't I care. Think- I just don't remember. Correct. But I guess for me, I inserted that because I guess I naturally think if you cared, you would remember if they made an impact on you, right? Well, I mean, I remember that like Odessa is the woman who runs the theater settlement and you rescue her daughter in the very one of the very first missions. And that's kind of what kickstarts her working relationship with you and that you find an echo of Manny and his brother and about what happened to him and how he was murdered. And he's the guy that runs. And this isn't spoilers because it was all in the beta. Um, so don't don't freak out on me. These aren't story spoilers. <laughs> so maybe it, when it comes but, to when you talk about the characters, I definitely remember all those story beats and I do pay attention. I do watch all the echoes, but it's like their names in particular. I'm like, oh, that was that one lady in that one mm-hmm. area. And, you know, this is interesting because this could be when I play with other people, I don't feel like I can truly take the time to just stop. And I mean, even though I do watch everything, it's like I watch it, then I have to move on to the next thing, right? I can't just like sit there and take it all in. Totally. And to be clear, this is not a this is not an attack on you at all. This is me trying to reflect how difficult it is for Massive to try to tell meaningful stories in the open world online multiplayer setting that they found themselves in, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a weakness in this game compared to some other more narrative-driven games, but I think it's always going to be a weakness in an online multiplayer-focused game. It's the same weakness that Destiny suffers from as exactly. well. Yeah. That, that you've got these characters and this lore that has this opportunity to do something really amazing and really fantastic, but they're still kind of not quite hitting it um, and I hope that they do. And I think that Destiny has really evolved. And I don't want to go into a tirade about uh, about Destiny right now. I think that what De- Destiny is doing from a lore narrative perspective is actually really amazing and fantastic and deep in a way um, that, you know, like I said, we're not going to go into. But I think the Division has clearly improved upon what they were doing from the first game to now. But they still are struggling to connect with people. But I think they've improved upon the gameplay just enough that it almost doesn't matter that people are going to play this game and have a great time jumping in with their friends because the gunplay and the open world exploration is so rewarding that you almost don't care. And that's kind of a double-edged sword. For me, I, I, I'm one of those people that n- normally cares about story. But in games like this, all I really want it to be is coherent. Like, I don't need it to be anything special. I don't need to have deep ties to any of these characters because the deep ties I have are to the people I'm playing with and the stories that we create together while playing this game. And that to me is what is more important for a game like this. Um, I think so for me, like all I want is to easily party up and like run through missions. That's what I want. And you're going to get that. The fast travel system that they have implemented is really friendly. So you'll get loading screens while you're fast traveling, but while you're in a party. So I was playing with um, not only members of the um, the Wesco Guardians clan who have now transitioned over to the division, but I got to play with Greg and Fran. And when we were playing together while Fran was streaming, um, he would 
go back to the White House and then I would be at the theater settlement and you could be a part in the world. And if I wanted to, I could just run around by myself in the world and there was no tethers anywhere. You could literally be at any part on the map that I experienced so far and still be partied up in the same group. And then once somebody was ready to, you know, start a mission, then it was like, all right, everybody, you know, let's meet at the mission. You could fast travel to another player's location if they weren't in combat or if they weren't downed. Well, I think even if they were in combat, you could fast travel, fast travel to them if they weren't downed, downed or yeah. dead. Um, That's and cool. So, like, they, yeah, they made it really user-friendly because, like, well, yeah, Brittany can world. bumble fuck around and do whatever she wants to do. <laughs> that, was, that was what I was doing. I was like, ooh, there's got to be some suitcases over there that yeah, I can I want to get all the loot. I would like to take everything I can. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Yeah. So do you know yeah, how exactly. it works when you have your base of operations and you're upgrading it? Because I know this time it's cool because you get to actually go inside together and you not you don't have your own separate instances. But when, let's say, Steimer's in my game... When I upgrade, she's in your base of operations. Okay, so any upgrades that you've made, she will see reflected in your world. But she'll have to do and those it, missions again in her game. Correct. Got it. Yes. So, Boop. for example, if I was to jump into Steimer's game, I would see all of her missions on my map, and then it would say replay on all of the missions that I've already done. And then I would replay them because you still get loot drops. Why yeah, not? Right, you still get enough. experience points. Like that's the mm-hmm. whole point of like a, a grinding looter shooter game is experience, 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 right? Because every time you level up, you get a, a proficiency cash. And in those caches is where you get some pretty good drops. Um, and so doing this stuff over again is no big deal, Stimer. I'm happy to Yay. help power level you. Help It'll me. Be great. And what I like also about the multiplayer experience is that they really fixed the level scaling problem that they had in the division one, where if I was even a couple levels underneath somebody in my party, I would just get rocked. I would be dead constantly because I could not soak any damage. Now your guns get leveled to the highest person in your group, but your armor isn't leveled as high. So you have to play a lot more defensively if you're the underpowered person in your party, but you can still do a lot of significant damage on enemies as long as you're really utilizing the cover system and making good use of your skills. The way that they've improved how important the skills are to your overall combat strategy is something that I'm really excited about because it feels now like the skills are meaningful and you have to constantly be using them. And I like how you can swap them out on the fly as long as they're not in cooldown. If I have the hive, the healing hive bomb, and I throw it out, and I'm like, you know what? This has been working, but somebody else has a healing drone in our squad. Let me instead get a turret on my special skill. You can swap it out on the fly. You don't have to go back to the White House, which is great. So, I mean, like they're really just doing everything right so far, and that's so exciting because... As we've said on the show, we just want games to succeed. We want them to do well. We want people to have a great time and have fun. You know, I don't want to ever come on the show and talk about how bad things are. That sucks. I want to be excited and happy, and I'm excited and happy about The Division 2. And if we haven't made it clear already, yes, Ubisoft has provided us with codes to play the game. (laughs) And yes, they invited us to Washington, D.C. to their preview event. And does that affect the way that we feel about the game? No. The game is just good. It's just a good game. That's what's good. That's what's good, Britt. Yeah. 
Yeah. Obviously, we'll have a lot more to say about the game next week, but we'll also have a lot of GDC stuff to talk about. So I'm not sure how much of the Division 2 we're going to be talking about next week. But yeah, um, Britt, do you have other thoughts that you would like to bring up? Uh, no, I like, yeah, I just I think I need to spend more time with it, but it's just as good as I thought it would be having a good time. Well, there's so much cool stuff that you can buy. I need sunglasses to cover my eyeballs. Is it fair to be looting? I've already looted like three pairs of sunglasses oh, in the open world. I haven't. I don't want the chest armor. I don't want the mask. I don't want the backpack. I just need some goddamn sunglasses. <laughs> I just need some sunglasses. Please. I gave myself some. You'll appreciate this, Brit. Some like Dragon Age face paint. The like Ooh. red, the red stripes. Well, I should have nice. done that. Can you can you do that to your character you, after you create? So some of it, once, yes. So we've, I think we've found that once you get to a certain level, you unlock like a barber type oh, character perfect. where you can change certain things. I don't think you can change your facial features, like your eyes, lips, nose, et cetera. No plastic but surgery. Think, what? But I think you can change your hair and your tattoos, but um, don't quote me on that. But I think that's I liked I the plastic the surgeon in, uh, or maybe they were just a doctor, but in Fallout, you could go change your face. So they should just do that here. Who cares? It's a video game. Yeah, it would be nice if they allowed you to. But yeah, that'd be that'd be a great business decision. Yeah, Yeah. just sell it for money. You can change your face. Yep, it's like the real world. Just exactly, exactly. Perfect. Okay, so obviously, as I said, we'll have more to say about The Division 2, but hopefully you guys are having fun playing in The Division 2 this weekend and, um, you know, send us your thoughts. Leave a comment on the YouTube video, tweet to us, post on the Facebook fan page, on the Discord. I've been trying to be more in the Discord, discord.gg slash What's Good Games. If you're looking for people to squad up with, that's a great place to do it. You can drop your PSN IDs, gamer tags, or um, PC handles in that space and find some agents of WGG to roll around Washington, D.C. with. Um, For now, we're going to take a little quick break. When we come back, we've got a very special feature segment with an interview of me and a wonderful person who you're going to meet very soon. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. What's good, everybody? Welcome to the final segment of the What's Good Games podcast. This is our feature segment, and this week we are featuring a special interview with Miss Rihanna Manuel. But before I tell you about her and who she is and why she's so special, I have to give a big shout out and thank you to this week's sponsor for the feature segment, Fleur. So even if you spritz on perfume every day, here's something you might not think about. What's actually in it? And that's why we're so excited about Fleur. They make stunning, non-toxic perfumes and list all of their ingredients online. You get a good scent made with clean ingredients, and the sample process is just plain fun. For luxurious perfume that's all about good, clean fun, try Fleur. That's P-H. L-U-R. I bet you didn't see that coming. P-H-L-U-R. Now, first, you get to know each of Fleur's scents with pictures, words, and even playlists on their sites. I know, it sounds a little weird, but hang with me here. Then you actually try them on your own skin and see how it works for your life. 
Fleur's world-class perfumers are scent experts, excuse me, scent artists and experts, and these perfumes are their masterworks. Another cool thing, every Fleur scent is gender-free. The best part, Fleur is a completely transparent fragrance company, and they tell you every ingredient in their perfume and why it's there. And the good news is that they just introduced body wash and body lotion in the same sense, so you can smell amazing all the time. So, Steimer, mm-hmm. when we first found out that Fleur was going to be a fantastic sponsor on the show, you were like, OMG, I've been using one of their scents and it's the bomb. Yeah, I've been using their perfume for two years now, actually. Two years? Almost, yeah. Um, and I love it. I wear the scent Ciano if you want to smell like me. But everybody <laughs> just always compliments me on like how good I smell whenever I wear it. And it's true. I we do all the time. I love the scent. And I am somebody that even with my skincare and everything, I'm somebody who's a little bit more conscious of like what's in it. So that's how I found their website once upon a time. And like I did the scent kit and all that fun stuff and eventually settled on Ciano. And like that is my scent now. Yeah, you always smell real good. And the description for that is lush and decadent floral and a little exotic designed for the outgoing. So it's really cool. These little descriptions they have for all of these scents and I tried something. The one I'm going to be trying is, how do you say it? Ameline? A-M-E-L-I-N-E? Yeah. Yeah, Ameline. The description is, a modern statement of feminine intelligence, grace, and glamour. And Steimer, what did you say when I told you that was the one I was getting? <laughs> I don't remember. I think I was like, oh, that's a real real good description for you. Like, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> what did I say? Now I'm... <laughs> Damn it. I don't, I don't well, while she's looking that up, I'm going to tell you guys that if you go to oh. Flora.com and use the promo code What's Good, you can get 20% off your first custom Flora sample set. You can pick three cents to try, just like Brittany, and get credit <laughs> towards a full size bottle of your favorite pick. That's promo code What's Good at P H L U R.com. Fleur.com to get your first three Fleur fragrance samples at 20% off. I said, LOL, I think of Grace and Glamour with you for sure. <laughs> Grace and Glamour. Yes. I that actually also have like, the travel size thing that they do where you can like, I'm, I'm into this shit. Yeah, I got the Hanai scent and I really like it. Um, what's interesting is that I think it's important to remember that when it comes to scents, like the scent that you smell is not necessarily the way it's going to smell once you put it on your body yep. and scents interact with everybody's pheromones in a different way. And that's what I find so fascinating about what Fleur does. So if you're thinking that, you know, you've been hankering for an, a new scent, whether you're a man or a woman, they've got a variety of scents, whatever your palate. And the bottles are like super unisex as well. They're just clean white bottles. Good shit. Exactly. Gender free. All right. So now we're going to play for you a fun interview I did. So Rihanna Manuel came to San Francisco. Well, technically she went to East Bay for Bay Area fans um, because she was in town for a dance competition where she got first place in. Congratulations. Hey girl. Oh, my God. Awesome. Um, so she was – well, she was coaching a team and the team and her – and everybody got first place. And so I was really happy for her. And she hit me up and was like, hey, I'm going to be in town. Um, do you want to hang out? And I was like, OMG, you should come to the studio and we should record something. It'll be super fun. So for people who don't know who Rihanna is, she is one of the admins in the Kind of Funny Facebook group. And we first met through Kind of Funny. And then once we launched What's Good, 
she quickly became a fan of everything that we do on What's Good. And we got to see her last year at PAX West. She was one of the awesome folks who helped run the door at our PAX West meetup that we did with Life is Strange 2 and Square Enix. And um, shout out again to all of the people that helped us with that. It was such an awesome event. And she also hosted uh, with, along her, along with New, her partner, hosted a little gathering of the kind of funny best friends at their apartment complex. And it was super fun. And so I was definitely eager to hang out with her. And so she came by and we had this really fun conversation about how she got started with Kind of Funny and what it means to run a Facebook group and work on social media and some of the challenges that come about with that. We talked about being in the Rainbow Six Clan together and playing um, and some other cool stuff. So uh, let's take a listen and hopefully you enjoy this cool interview and we'll be back right when it's done. What's good, everybody? Andrea Renee here with Rihanna Manuel. Oh my Yay! gosh, I'm so glad that I have you in the studio. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm just glad that you're here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah. So what are you doing here in San Francisco this weekend? Yeah, I randomly snuck in and kind of snuck blasted in. you guys on Twitter and said, <laughs> hey, I want to see people. I have one day free. But I'm in town directing a few teams who are doing a dance competition. A uh, few people may know that I am a dancer and that I have some teams that I do run up in Seattle and they're competing on Saturday. And I have two and really hoping that they're going to do really well. Well, we'll all keep our fingers crossed for you because I have no <laughs> doubt that you will have won and sailed with flying colors because, <laughs> let's be honest, by the time people watch or listen to this, the competition will be long gone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> way, way over. I'll probably post if we won. So for people out there who are maybe scratching their heads going, who is this chick anyway? Um, let's talk a little bit about like who you are in the What's Good Games community. But first, how you got started with the Kind of Funny community because yeah. that's how you found What's Good first, right? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we were just trying to remember how I even got into Kind of Funny. And I think it was just stuff on my timeline on YouTube. And I was watching a lot of IGN videos and Greg Ways and Oreo Orations popped up and eventually a Game Over Greggy show. And I just started watching. And I was in pretty much day one, lurking in the Facebook group, not <laughs> saying anything. Like to do. <laughs> yeah, and um, sort of behind the scenes, but watching the whole time and loving all of the content. And then eventually when What's Good came about, it was just a natural switch for me to jump over and be in that community too. Well, we're absolutely glad that you're here. We love having you around. And thank you again for all of the help that you and some of the other fans of What's Good Games gave us during PAX West last yes, year yeah. at our Life is Strange 2 party. If you guys were there in Seattle, it was such a great time. So and you fun. guys were lifesavers helping us at the door. Oh, we love to help. And there's a lot of kind of funny and what's good community in Seattle. We have our little hashtag KFC, like S-E-A, not... Oh, like, <laughs> okay, I get it, yeah. I get it. Yeah, yeah, a little pun, but there's a lot of us and we love helping out and we love hosting. Whenever somebody comes to town, we try to like step up and say, hey, we'll take you out, we'll show you around. And of course, that we would love to do that for you anytime you guys are in town for PAX. Well, <laughs> I'm going to remember that because there's PAX West coming up later this year. Oh, yeah. But I digress. So we were talking about uh, kind of funny and I've the thing that really stuck out to me as soon as you were talking about, you know, Greg and IGN was like, a lot of times I forget about how Kind of Funny started while they were still at IGN. Yeah. And it wasn't until after that Kind of Funny Games launched, but that yeah. they were doing, you know, the Game Over Greggy show and the Oreo orations, which is back now, by Yay! the way. So um, excited. I went to the office yesterday and they have like 15 oh boxes of Oreos. And I was like, <laughs> you guys are the worst. No, Just I'm excited food. for it to come back. Honestly, it's one of my favorite shows. Yeah. So, 
um, so those uh, they did production on those. I can't remember when Greg said that they're going to air, but um, that they've just been doing content for a really long time, yeah. and I love the the crossover. But it's always still so surprising to me how there's people that listen to what's good that have never listened to kind of funny games yeah. before. Yeah, that's honestly I didn't even know that those people were out there. But it's awesome that people are coming to your channel organically and not necessarily through a referral, and it's just something that they happened upon, and now they have a bunch of communities that they can get involved in that are all really, really supportive of one another. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about those communities. So you do some really awesome work for not only the What's Good Games community, but the Kind of Funny communities on Facebook. Yeah. So you are an admin in both of the pages, correct? Um, I am an admin in Just Kind of Funny. Okay. And not in What's Good. But well, Brittany, we got to get on that. <laughs> I jump in. I try to help out where I can. But yeah, I'm an admin um, at Kind of Funny. And there's a whole bunch of us. They're all awesome. Really, really supportive, smaller little community. And we just try to make the kind of funny Facebook page a pleasant place to be which you know on the internet that can be a bit of a challenge a struggle <laughs> for sure yeah but it's a really great team we have a lot of people from all over the world and we're really conscious about having a diverse group of voices on that admin team so there's sometimes when we disagree about where we land on something but we always try to consider a lot of different perspectives before we make any decisions and it's been working out really great so what are some of the responsibilities that you have as an admin of a Facebook group yeah so we do um Approvals for new members. We'll do bans for people who are acting out of character for the Facebook group. Uh, we do a lot of stuff for organizing events and making sure that people who are traveling to, say, PAX West or PAX East, that they know where the community will be during those events and they can come and get involved and say hi and take pictures and do meet and greets. So we do a little bit of everything on that group. Sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. Do those guys pay you for that work? <laughs> Hopefully they give you at least free Oreos or something. I mean, sometimes you might get a, a swag here <laughs> or there, but honestly, a lot of us do it out of the kindness of our hearts and um, and just wanting the group to be as best as it can be. Uh, there was actually a post recently that we made as an admin team just saying like, hey, everybody, if you have any questions or if you want to know about a post before you put it up and get in trouble, come here. This is our AMA. And one of the questions were, why do you do it? And the answers were all pretty much just we love the group and we want to contribute. Yeah, I think that's what really highlights what's great about not only the best friends community but the what's good games community as well we're Absolutely. still working on a name we'll figure out what we're going to call ourselves eventually <laughs> it's not silbandos <laughs> oh you know so <clears throat> about that no not silbandos what's funny is a, a lot of people though who are coming onto what's good games in the last like six months have no yeah. idea what that reference even means right and that's one awesome thing about what's good is that it's still so new so like we're still figuring out our memes and what's going to be our inside joke for the week it's it's a really fun place to be well i'm glad that you think so i mean it's it's tough when you're talking about doing online community management and this is something that i talk to Brittany about a lot and that mm -hmm. she and i discuss when we get invited to speak on panels because yeah. clearly Brittany is in charge of the what's good games online community and she does so much in that uh, community oh i don't know i don't know how when she, does she sleeps that. she's just like always like posting comments and tweeting and retweeting i'm like what are you doing go to bed <laughs> um but it's it's a skill set you know is, and, and yeah. she absolutely has a passion for it just like you do and i think that idea of us being able to come together as people who have a common um a common thing that we love right yeah. a common community of people who love playing video games and love talking about video games mm -hmm. sometimes fighting about video games <laughs> sometimes <laughs> um and that's really what kind of binds us together is this passion for video games and game making overall and i think that it's so inspiring to see that 
no matter what our differences are, that we can still come back to that and, and relate to each other that way. Yeah. And I think that's what makes these communities so special and why there's so many friendships and relationships and, and long-term partnerships that come out of them is because everybody's there because of something they love. And this is kind of going a little bit meta, but I've been watching a lot of Red Table Talk lately and seeing a lot of information about love-based decisions versus fear-based decisions. And everybody who's in these communities, it seems like it's all because of something they love. And that, I think that just brings about a stronger bond with people. Absolutely. That's an interesting idea. Yeah. Love versus fear-based decisions. Oh, Hopefully so some people are there because they fear me. <laughs> no, I, They may be gone because they fear <laughs> Oh, no. Oh. That's like story of my life. Just drive people away. Oh, no. Um. We'll always be here for you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about some of the wildest things that you've seen posted in these groups. Because, oh, I mean, you have to have uh, seen it all. Let's leave, like, the gross stuff out yeah. of it. Yeah. But, like, is there, like, a meme or a video or a highlight or a clip, a GIF, anything that someone's pulled either from the content that we make or the content that's just out there on the internet that you were like, wow, this is exactly why I love being in this group. Oh, yeah, there are some stories in there for sure. Um Hmm, what can I tell? Something that was actually pretty much the most hilarious thing I've ever seen on Facebook was something that got flagged for nudity and inappropriate, um, I guess, visuals. Facebook has weird filters. It was weird filters, but it was like a picture of a goat or something. And it was reported automatically by Facebook. So everybody was like, wait, is it like a goat video where someone's doing, doing stuff with the goat? The or like, and then there was that whole like, okay, well, do we watch it and see? And nobody wanted to look and go investigate. And so we're like, okay, I guess, I guess we'll just leave it because we don't want to get Facebook flagged. And right. Yeah, so I guess we just deleted it. And I don't really remember what the decision was. That poor goat just wanted his 15 minutes. Oh, man. You denied him. Just, just some weird <laughs> stuff that Facebook flags sometimes. But yeah, there's lots of um, ex- <laughs> different positionings for cartoon characters that you might know that oh, come up yeah. sometimes. I, I had no idea how mm. deep that rabbit hole goes. Yeah. Because I remember when Detroit Become Human released and in the months that followed, I had was searching for something on Connor. Maybe mm-hmm. it was like I was searching for like the voice actor's name or something like that. And I stumbled into this Connor and Hank fanfic oh, rabbit God. hole. Oh no. And oh my gosh, <laughs> if you want to see some lewd photos of video game characters what? that are hand drawn by people with very vivid imaginations. And some of them are really good, like yeah. really detailed. <laughs> like it looks like it's actually from the original artist scary out there yeah i mean listen i'm not trying to deny people their kinks like yeah as long as you're not hurting anybody and it's consensual and legal and do, true do, do your damn thing that's I'm pretty fine. sure there's no consent with cartoon characters yeah it's just like <laughs> one of those things that i i never knew existed or thought about but yeah. there's this whole community of, of this type of artwork i mean it is called deviant art for true. a reason right <laughs> yeah there's a lot out there um so let's talk a little bit about Games. Obviously, yeah. you and I play video games online from mm-hmm. time to time, along with New and a bunch of other people. Yeah. And um, we, the game I think we played the most is either Destiny or Rainbow, Rainbow Six. Six. I would say Rainbow Six, probably. Yeah. Because we've only done like a couple of raids and like some Nightfalls. That's true. Yeah. I feel like we're just never on at the same time when you're playing Destiny. Yeah. Because I saw you post your stats from PlayStation from last year <laughs> yeah. and your Destiny numbers were wild. It's crazy. I mean, those numbers are 
mostly like overnight and like all weekend long. Yeah. It's never because you did like a twelve-hour session once, right? Yeah, and I didn't mean to. It just kind of happened. But <laughs> we've all been there. Yeah, <laughs> just accidentally did a twelve-hour stream for no one. Yeah. Oh, wait, you streamed the whole time. Oh no, no, no. Like, okay, twelve hours for stream yourself. for myself. Exactly. Yeah. Except you were in like your pajamas and then oh, maybe had like crumbs yeah. on you. It's okay. absolutely not camera ready. Yeah. At all. This is why I don't stream very often. And people are like, "Why don't you guys stream more?" I'm like, "Because usually when I'm at home playing video games, I'm not presentable oh, it is for the internet." Not cute. Oh man. It's bad. Yeah. But you got to be comfortable when you're playing for that long. Exactly. I always try to remind myself to get up every couple of hours. <laughs> Drink like, some water. I should probably stand. And that is like one of the benefits of having some of the bots in your stream. Yeah. So it'll be like, here's the Hydra bot reminding you you should have drinking 16 <laughs> ounces of water by now. And I was Aww. like, oh, I haven't had any water. Thanks, Hydra bot. I kind of need that just for my life. Right? I don't drink water. It's bad. I know. But Isn't there like an app you can install on your phone that reminds you to drink water? <laughs> probably. But. I'd find a way to ignore it because I don't like water. <laughs> I had that. I used to have that app on my um, Apple Watch mm-hmm. before my Apple Watch broke, and then they wanted way too much money to fix it, and then I just never replaced it. <laughs> um, so it's just sitting lonely in a drawer now. Um, but it used to, you know, that one that was like, "Oh, you should stand up now." Yeah, that's really useful. Now. And then I was just like, "Cool, thanks, watch. I'm just gonna keep sitting here." Yeah, just click. I did it. <laughs> sure. And you like raise your arm in the air and you're like wave it around a little bit. I'm like, okay, I stood up. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> Faking out the the fitness tracker, it's it's my go to. Yeah, it's sure. great. But um, I switched to Vincero watch. Wait, what? Oh, look at us with our matching watches. Yeah, that's so cute. They're really really cute. I got I one know. for you too. I love the the rose gold and the gold faces. Are mm-hmm. so pretty. They are really pretty. Um, I get compliments on it all the time. Same. I was like, oh, we did a sponsorship with them once. <laughs> um, so I was going to ask you about Rainbow Six. Yes. Have you seen anything about the new season? No, I'm completely blind Horizon, to all of it. I think it. it's called. Uh, the only thing I saw was somebody said one of them looks like Owen Wilson. Oh my gosh, now we need to look this up. <laughs> Let me Google this on my phone. So the last one that came out was Operation... It was Maestro and Alibi, I think. Oh, for the operators? I think those are the last two that I played. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what the name of the season was... Somebody out there listening is like, I know exactly what it is. <laughs> this is what it is. Rainbow Six. There we go. Yeah, I can't. New operators. Um, Burnt Horizon operators. Gameplay and gadget. Ooh. Who's, like, who names an operator gameplay? Gameplay? That's confusing. That's weird. So if you make a compilation, it's like a bunch of gameplay. Gameplay? Oh, wait. <laughs> Hold on one second. I feel real <laughs> stupid. It's not gameplay and gadget. That's literally just part of the title of the video that I'm about to watch. Um, I'm a well, dumb hey, dumb. Hey, at least please. the video got a shout out. <laughs> <laughs> please don't judge me. Okay, I, I deserve your judgment for that one. That's fair. Um, that's definitely not the name of the new operators. The new operators are named... Um, Wait, no, that's not the right one. Why is this so difficult to find, Ubisoft? Help me out. Uh-oh. Let me know what these operators are. You know what? I'm just going to Google the press release. There you go. Um, because that'll be the easiest way for me to find out. Ubiblog is still a thing, right? Yeah, it is. And I was I was looking at the um, the Ubiblog, but they have, of course, all the specialty content on there right now. Oh, yeah. 
So it says, Operation Burnt Horizon introduces an all-new attacker and defender from the Australian SASR Mobility Platoon, Gridlock and Mozzie. These two new operators come with a new map, Outback, an homage to all the lonely service stations and motels along the forgotten highways (laughs) of Australia's beautiful sun-soaked land. Year 4 Season 1 also brings a new elite set for Operator Hibana, including an Onkichisian, Onkochisian, on Kochi Shin. <laughs> I, that's definitely a Japanese word that I'm butchering. Uh, uniform and a new victory animation and weapon skin. It brings the two new operators, the attacker Gridlock and defender Mozzie, both friends for years in the Australian Special Aww. Air Service Regiment, which is the SASR. Um, Gridlock uses Trax Stingers, a portable version of road spikes that, when hmm. activated, deploys a hexagonal cluster of spikes. Okay. When defenders step on them, the Trax Stingers deal damage and slow them, making this gadget a good map control tool. So and it's sort me- of lesion-like. Yeah, exactly. In the meantime, Mozzie can deploy a pest launcher, when launched, the pest latches onto the nearest enemy drone and obscures its camera. Hmm. The pest then initiates an override sequence to hack the drone and grant full control to Mozzie. So a Valkyrie counter. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. I don't use Valkyrie that much. I've never played Valkyrie, but I hate playing against Valkyrie. <laughs> yeah, it's annoying for sure. Yeah. Um, I've... I'm still like an Ash purist, like yeah. one of the original operators. I still think that she's really great to use. I also really like um, Capcan. Um, Capcan is my number he's one. He's fun. Absolutely. Um, I've been really getting into, um, I like Twitch too. She's great with the, with the little with the shock drones. drones. Yeah. Those are fun. Um I'm hmm. trying to think of, oh, uh, Mira is somebody yes. that I've been trying to use. But she's so much more of a strategic play. And you really yeah. kind of got to use her on very specific maps. Yeah. And I find Mira is hard to play if you don't have a full squad. Yes. Because people will constantly just block the wrong wall or push it down. And it exactly. just defeats the whole purpose. Well, that game in general is tough to play with if you're solo queuing and yeah. you're not able to communicate. Absolutely. I've had a couple of successful matches where I've been in the team voice channel with random people. And you went actually, in team voice channel? Listen, I only did it after a woman's <laughs> voice came to the team voice channel and said, and okay. she said, anyone on comms? Wow. And I was like, oh. <gasps> Oh my gosh, it's another woman playing Rainbow Six. It's like a unicorn. I'm here for you. How brave. So I I turned my microphone on. I was like, yes, I'm here. Oh, that's lovely. And we had (laughs) to just reach out. And we had this like moment um, in Rainbow Six Siege. Okay, well, that's a great, that's a great way to do it. Yeah, but generally I'm with you. I don't, I don't Mm. usually jump into team comps because they can be pretty gross. Pretty gross. So especially with people who are there just to troll and team kill, it's like, yeah, it's not that fun. Yeah. Team killing. Uh, the first time I ever played Rainbow Six was at E3 2015, I think 2015. And I waited in line and I got up to the stage and then I started playing and then maybe 20 seconds in team killed. And I literally didn't at get to E3? do anything at E3. What? The whole ruined. What a joke. experience ruined. That sucks. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, I think it was an accident because, I mean, nobody knew how to play by then. Oh. Well, okay. Still sucked. Okay. <laughs> I have... <clears throat> I've accidentally killed... When we've been playing together, I've accidentally killed our teammates. I mean, it happens. It's I'm not as bad when real. you don't have to wait, like, two hours to play it. Oh, yeah. That's for sure. Hopefully the devs, like, took pity. No, no, no just back to the line. What? I just went somewhere else. Ugh, that's but I still got the game. Also, 2015, that's how long this game has been around and yeah. it's still kicking. Yeah. There's a lot of games that are given the long tail, and I, I like that. 
Yeah. So what do you think about this whole games as service trend that's happening right now? Is it something that's exciting to you to be able to like really become an expert in a single game and have them release new content? Or is it like too overwhelming? You want to play other stuff? I mean, sometimes it's hard. I do have a limited amount of gaming time these days, but I do like the games as a service in general because I'm a multiplayer person. I mean, Halo was the first game I ever really played. And I enjoy getting good at something over a long period of time so I don't feel like I missed out on the peak and the spike where everybody was really playing it. Like, Obviously, Apex is a big thing right now, and I'm playing it pretty much every day. For a while, Like, I had maybe like a 14-day streak (laughs) playing Apex. Nice. But I I like single-player games, too. But I don't know. I just find myself going back to multiplayer experiences because that's when I get to spend time with my friends. And I enjoy it, the fact that I can go back in a few months after something is passed or maybe like a few years in the case of like Destiny or Rainbow Six and still be competent at the game to a point where I can at least That's a do great something. point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that a lot of these games recognize that players come and go throughout the cycle of yeah. their launches of content. And so they try to give you ways to get back in easier. Like, well, that's one of the things I really appreciated about this new season of The Drifter, Destiny 2 Forsaken, mm-hmm. is that even if you didn't play any of the content since Destiny 2 Forsaken launched back in September, you can jump in now and they've got these power surge bounties right. to help catch you up to make sure that you can compete with all of your friends and you don't feel behind because that was something I really struggled with with the Black Armory was that I never actually got to play the Forges because I was so far behind from Mm -hmm. having to take pretty much all of October and November off to play all of the other games that came out yeah. that when I got there, it's like I, cu- I couldn't go into the forges without getting absolutely crushed by the really <laughs> strong enemies. Yeah. And so and even now, like doing the reckoning, which is the brand new mode that they've introduced in addition to Gambit Prime, like I jumped in with um, some of the uh, What's Good Guardians last night. And I mean, I held my own, but I mean, I died <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you do really well, honestly. Like oh, having played you. a raid with you when you were underpowered, you held your own quite quite well. I was very impressed. Well, it's all about not making rash decisions, right? <laughs> like maybe you don't want to take that hive knight on head on. Maybe you wanna... just punch him. It'll be okay. Yeah, it's like you can't melee him. It's n- your DPS is just way too low. No, um, you do really well. But yeah, I like that Destiny has had sort of like a, I guess a parabolic pattern to it where you're like I play for a couple months straight and then I might take a month off and keep going back and forth with it I'm still way behind on this current release but the forges were a bit of a miss honestly like I got a couple of weapons out of it but there were so many steps you had to take in order to make those forges even worth your time to the point where it it didn't make sense for a lot of people with their schedules and that's really really unfortunate because it was some good content yeah i think that they certainly have some lessons learned from from the black armory and um i hope that they're going to continue to straddle the line between catering to people who are more casual destiny players and of course trying to cater to the people who are like professional like everyday destiny players because i think that serving both audiences benefits the community overall absolutely i mean you need those diehard people who are there every single day consistently in order to keep it alive Someone's got to figure out how to do the raid, right? <laughs> they got to keep the lights on somehow. <laughs> All right. So to to wrap this up, I want to know what's the game that you're most excited to play in 2019 that you haven't already played? Um, is Will of the Wisps 2019? It's supposed to be. We don't have a release date yet. I imagine <sighs> we'll get a solidified release date by, by E3. E3. 
Um, if not at E3. Yeah, that's my number one. It's my number one for any year. I love Ori. I worked on the first one. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm in the credits. But yeah, I was a localization what? producer on that one. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, and it's awesome. The team is awesome. Moon Studios, they're fantastic. Every single one of them works so hard. And they're an international team. Like, they almost all work remotely. And it's just incredible what they were able to do with that first game. Like, I laughed, I cried, had the soundtrack on repeat for several months in a row. So beautiful. So beautiful. And I cannot wait to play the next one. Like, it is my number one. That's such a great like dark horse pick. Yeah. I always forget about Ori because they haven't like announced like when it's going to come yet, but and it's not a huge AAA release. So No, but it's like such a, a amazing game. I remember playing the first game and thinking this game is almost perfect. Yeah. The way that they have made it really challenging and skill-based but also approachable at the same time mm-hmm. and the story and the narrative really weaves into the gameplay in a great way. It reminds yeah. me a lot of why I loved Celeste, but obviously yes. Ori came first. Mm-hmm. Um and it really has that steep learning curve, but it's not so steep that it makes you want to quit like I did with Cuphead. <laughs> oh, I did too. I just oh. couldn't. I love the art and the music of Cuphead and I just was, was like, a, I can't. It was a pleasure to play, but I just I hit a yeah, wall. I just exactly. hit a really, really hard wall. And I'm glad that I never really like hit that wall with Ori. And yeah. from what I played of Will of the Wisps at E3 this last summer, um, it's looking fantastic. And like yeah. the tiny little gameplay changes that they've implemented I think are going to go a-, a long way for people who enjoyed the mechanics of the first game. Mm-hmm. But maybe were a little turned off by some of the difficulty ramps like sure. in later levels. Yeah. And I think that they've also made the more Metroidvania aspects of it, the exploration, mm-hmm. more rewarding. Yeah. So I think it's going to be a, a win. Microsoft needs a win, right? They could use a win, yeah. But I feel like no matter when it comes out, Ori is going to be a win for them. Yeah, absolutely. I'm 100% down for that game. Well, listen, we loved having you here in the studio. Thank you so much for stopping by. If people who are watching or listening are like, I want to meet her. What are one of the events that you're going to be at coming up in the not-too-distant future? Not-too-distant future. Um, I'm always going to be at PAX West. I live in Seattle. I'll probably be helping at whatever what's good event there is. Yeah. <laughs> maybe hosting a house party again. We'll see. Okay. We'll see. We'll figure it out. I might just rent an Airbnb and we'll do it there. Cool. Well, we will uh, definitely keep you guys in the loop for our PAX West plans. But right now, we're definitely focused more on PAX East since it's oh, just yeah. two weeks away. It's so soon. In the Which, GDC. I know. And I'm still like coordinating the final details for the meetup. It's been like a whole headache. But <laughs> we won't bother you guys with those boring details. Well, Rihanna, thank you so much for thank coming you. by. And we will see you guys later. Bye. That was a lot of fun. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. A big thank you to Rihanna again for coming down to the studio and hanging out with me. And we're looking forward to seeing her again in Seattle at PAX West. What our plans are there? We don't know. That's like several shows away. We, we gotta get through PAX barely East first. even know what we're doing next week. <laughs> it, don't even ask us to look at PAX East. <laughs> um, but... If you enjoyed that interview, please um, reach out to her. Um, she's, of course, always in the uh, both the What's Good Games Facebook fan page and the Kind of Funny fan page. And she is some quality good people. So thanks again for her swinging by the studio. And that's going to do it for our show for this week. Don't forget about all of those amazing announcements we made at the very top of the show. We've got the Patreon Town Hall, which is open to everybody starting at 2 p.m. Pacific time on Saturday, uh, the 16th. And we've got our... Happy Hour Q&A on Sunday at noon Pacific time. And, of course, the After Hour stream at 2 p.m. Bring your green shirts, your hats, your green beers, your whiskeys. It's St. Patrick's Day. It's going to be fun. Can I put green food coloring in my whiskey?
Sure. Of course you can. Great. I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> can we make it's green gonna ice cubes? It's going to be messy, cubes? but it's going to be fun. Oh, I will make some green ice cubes just for you. Oh, my God. But you don't drink ice cubes in your whiskey. I don't, but I would if they were green. Okay. okay. Challenge accepted. <laughs> all right everybody have a fantastic weekend thanks for stopping by the show and we'll see you next week bye